listeners, and welcome to My Streaming Bubble. Oh, you know, it's that podcast where I talk about the shows that I love with the people I tolerate. I'm your chatty host, Jen, and today I'm tolerating not one, but two very funny chatty show talkers with a show-based podcast of their own. Welcome from Bedwetter Behead, Meg and Carla. Hi! Hi! So happy to be here. Yes, Meg, long time no see. Carla, first time actually meeting you. Yes, thank you so, so much for letting me like join you guys. Absolutely. So originally, Meg and I were supposed to record today on Gilmore Girls season three, finally, after a year of not talking about Gilmore Girls. But <laughs> Carla recently just finished binging the series. And so I thought it'd be kind of fun to bring her in, get her take on it. And we'll just, we're just going to try and cover the whole series and we'll do our best to dunk, I mean, just discuss um, <laughs> the cast of Stars Hollow. So I'm excited. Well, and- I feel like, especially once you and I started talking about, let's talk about other shows and actually recorded a Bridgerton episode. We're like, hmm. <laughs> Okay, so if we go at this rate, we will finish Gilmore Girls by the time I retire. Yeah. If we go season by season. It was very like ambitious of us because again, we couldn't think of anything else for some unknown reason, but yeah, we kind of just want to be able to wrap this up. (laughs) (laughs) You want to be done with Gilmore Girls. You're like, you know what? Kind of. Let's move it along, move it along. This We, We didn't anticipate a panoramic. That's true. That is true. But it's like, this was, this show was back when there were many seasons and many episodes to a season. So we're talking, you know, what, seven seasons, 22 episodes a piece, all about 40 minutes. 154 total episodes. Uh, I got other things I want to watch. <laughs> well, and that's Talk the thing about. is like, and that's the thing, like when you're doing it, like the season by season, I have to remember to watch each season and be like, okay, this is the stuff we can talk about. I can't talk mm-hmm. about the stuff from beforehand. Um, otherwise you're going to general scream brace bridge dinner at me. <laughs> that's become our safe Such word. Thing to scream. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, I love that. We go too far off in the weeds. We have to yell brace bridge dinner. <laughs> Bring it back. Bring it back. It centers us. Yes. 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 I can see how. But since we didn't decide to do the full series until last week, I only got through about halfway through season four. So I've, it's been a while since I've rewatched the whole series. Uh, It's been a while since I've watched the revival. Um, So it's going to be, so I apologize for not being a bit more prepared. Well, we're not talking about the revival this time, remember? That is true. We need a whole space to unpack that natural disaster. To slash it to bits. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) To write a musical about it. Yes. I love writing musical episodes. (laughs) My friend Laura and I write musical episodes for her shows all the time. We wrote one for Gotham. (laughs) That was my favorite one. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Carla writes little songs to introduce our our podcast and it's the most adorable thing. Like she's like, I'll take this podcast. I'll take the lead on this podcast. And she sings this lovely song and everything. And she does all this cute intro. That's all punny and on topic. And then when it's my turn, like, Hey guys, <laughs> no, you actually like, like a I professional go, podcaster. and I have like my, I have to have the song. Cause otherwise I'm just like, hi, hi. Um, we're a podcast and we're here to talk about things that we like, like shows, 
We like shows. Do you like shows? Because we like shows. Are you here why because are, you like shows? We like why shows? aren't you answering me? That's all. I, <laughs> this isn't a conversation. I don't understand. There's Call no your feedback. mother. <laughs> speaking of mothers. Speaking of mothers. So, <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, let's see. What else? thought I had another oh real quick though about your guys's podcast bedwetter behead give the listeners um the information <laughs> do you want to do the rundown, words are Carla? hard for me today I'm gonna have Meg do it because she does it better oh well that's <laughs> I just said I'm basically a bridge troll but that's cool um so yeah Carl and I started a podcast back in October called bedwetter behead it's pretty self-explanatory, but what it is, so we live, we're already socially distanced as friends. She lives in Miami. I live up in Wisconsin and we chat mostly through Google Hangs. And one of the things we've always talked about was playing basically fuck, Mary kill with characters and talk about the shows we watch and the characters and either tear them apart or kind of really dig deep into character analysis within the chat. Um, so we decided in October, let's do this and make a podcast. And part of it was like, this is a great excuse for us to like sit down together once a week and just talk and hang out and have fun and connect with each other, especially when it's so hard to connect with people right now. And obviously everyone's going to want to hear our thoughts. Obviously. <laughs> obviously. I mean, duh. Everyone um, wants to hear my thoughts. And, you know, here we are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We fell victim to the the biggest symptom of COVID, starting a podcast <laughs> and making bread. We've done all of it and day drinking. I haven't done the baking yes. bread yet. I came super close. Oh, then you close. haven't. You haven't fully quarantined if you haven't I have. baked bread. I, I did plenty of other break breaking baking right at the beginning, but and so you did I a lot of baking. Bread. Well, it started in March, and March is our birthday March birthday madness, oh. and it goes into April, so. We had <laughs> had a lot of depression baking going on and then birthday baking. And so we had just like cakes and cookies in the house for two months straight. Yeah, I baked you know banana what? bread because I had bananas that were going bad. <laughs> um, and that was it. I didn't make any like, I, I thought about doing a sourdough starter because I love Me sourdough, but, but I am terrible at baking. I can cook very well. I make, I cook good food, cannot bake to save my life. It's, it's too regimented. I need to be able to like, you need to be like free man. Like I need to free and improvise. And like like I love baking as I love the restrictions. I can't, I don't do this pinch of that dash of that. I have gone on rants, <laughs> very loud. So you're, rants. you're a sub is what you're saying. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. A, a baking sub. Yes. <laughs> I need to be told what to do. Precisely. You look so Step confused. by steps. I was so confused You're for the a second. Anastasia I was like, of baking. It's like, like, like Subway? They don't. No. My husband's a very good baker, actually. And he and the, any baking stuff that goes on that him and the girls, he and the girls do that. I can't, I don't know. I can't do it. I, I follow recipes and I do exactly what the recipe says and it never turns out correctly. So if it's not in a box where I just have to add an egg, I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> Listen, that still counts. Did you turn on the oven mm -hmm. to 350 or more? Did you put something on a baking sheet and stick it in the oven? So Congratulations. You have I, baked. 
I yes. bake bacon I all the time. So I guess I am a baker. Yeah. <laughs> Works for me. Have you ever taken a can of crescent rolls, popped, just, <laughs> just threw the whole tube in? Didn't, just even it. It. didn't even open it. Just didn't even open it. No, no, no. Like I said, baking sheet. You have to put the, the can on a baking sheet. You can't just throw the can in. <laughs> I have a pizza stone for frozen pizza. Does that make me an artisanal pizza Ooh, maker? Ooh, that's fancy. Yeah. Okay. See, I have all these. I, oh, you I have need all you these to hacks. write my. You I need you to write. You need to write my resume for me. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you can make throwing a tube of crescent rolls in the oven <laughs> and then frozen pizza on a pizza stone into artisanal baking, then I I need you to do that for me. Yes, I will just rewrite everybody's resumes. Like, you know. Oh, me too. Me too. Have you ever put a bandaid on somebody? Then you can say proficient in first aid. Yes. <laughs> yes. I have medical training. I kiss boo-boos. There you go. Ouchies. That's holistic, <laughs> holistic medicine. So you're a practitioner of holistic medicine. Exactly. Congratulations. Thank you. For a while, whenever our little one would get an owie, my husband, you know, because like Lee didn't, didn't like like kissing the owie. He had to stay away or whatever, or just like kind of touch it or rub it. So my husband would do the Mr. Miyagi and he'd do the hand clap and the hand rub and do that on, on Lee's owie. So that's how we took care of his pain <laughs> for about a year. That's so cute. <laughs> yeah, that's adorable. Although we're going to, I don't know how this became this when we were talking about our podcast or your workroom. dinner, but Bracebridge. Bridge. <laughs> Oh my God, already? <laughs> but yeah, so basically, count. basically our podcast is we take fictional characters, only fictional characters, and play Fuck, Mary Kill with them from TV shows, movies, sometimes books, but usually only if the book has a TV show or movie attached to it because we don't have a lot of time to, to read books during this Panda Express. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a fun podcast. I've listened to a couple of episodes, uh, like kind of the ones that I can because I'm familiar with like the show and the characters and everything, so it's um it's awesome you guys everyone should check it out it's a lot of fun so very funny and you guys Thank drink you. you're you're a drinking podcast so um yes. it's our brand I, it's <laughs> very on brand um so i i only drink when i don't always drink when i podcast but um i've started to a bit more not everyone i podcast with drinks so i try to match that vibe but I know Meg does. I wasn't sure, Carla, if you were going to be imbibing today as well, but awesome. Oh, yes. So <laughs> <laughs> we so. were we were guesting on a different podcast last night, and beforehand we and we had weren't familiar with these people. They had asked us to come and and be on it, and it was fantastic. But beforehand, I was like, Carla, I don't know these people. Is it? Do you think it's okay if we drink? And she goes, I don't know, but I would think they would know that we drink when we podcast because it's a big it's like the premise half the premise of our show and then we were watching because they do a live streaming with their recording and everything and i saw someone taking a drink of bud light and i'm like okay we're good it's safe it's safe to drink it's all like just pulls out the big juice boxes like just right, right well the thing meg didn't tell me there was a bud light because that's basically just slightly alcoholic water i i feel deceived there's a reason i, I didn't tell you. there's there's a reason i didn't tell you oh my gosh i'm also drinking slightly alcoholized water because i'm drinking seltzer 
water. <laughs> I'm uh, drinking water with vodka and a splash of lemonade. <laughs> well, my drink. Well, I, I finished my my tea with Bailey's, and I have moved on to Bailey's and Kahlua and vodka. Nice. Ooh. A treat. Oh, that sounds yummy. You guys are like, you guys are professionals right now with your liquor. And I'm just like, <laughs> I got my hard seltzer. <laughs> hey, listen, I don't very often get to drink, drink. So if I see the opportunity, I'm going to take it. Except this entire weekend where we're together <laughs> podcasting. Well, yeah. I'm taking this as like, as a, as a carlication where we are just basically drunk for a whole weekend. And it, it's beautiful and magical. And I think, you know, okay. everybody who is us should do it. <laughs> i love it i support it 150 percent. thank you you're welcome so so brace bridge dinner um back to uh why we're here today so gilmore girl so carla first time watching it yes how much did you love these these rich ass white people i hated most of them my favorite characters were all were all in supporting or deep background roles she like, really liked roller skater number four yeah. in yes. episode 13. Oh, the depth. The depth. depth oh my gosh like you know coffee shop barista in mm -hmm. three episode 13 just mm -hmm. really gave it her all and you could just feel the passion for the coffee coming through no i think she trained for weeks to know I'm how sure. to properly make a oh, coffee yeah. i think she like I'm job sure. shadowed at like mm -hmm. a local yes. coffee shop they Absolutely. may have actually like, just kidnapped a barista and just <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was somebody from craft services and they were like listen we need somebody to play a barista and don't say anything because like we don't want you insane <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> We don't need you to do anything but just pour the coffee like you do so well. Can you handle that? Okay, cool. And action. No, but my favorite my favorite characters were Lane, um, Suki, Michelle. I love Michelle. Um, like all of these, you know, and okay, the only love interest that I absolutely loved was Max Medina. He, oh, I mean, like f everybody should find a Max Medina in their life. Even so you, if you're not, hmm. you sound like every other Gilmore Girls fan because I feel like that's <laughs> they're I all. Yeah, yeah. No, I I don't like Lorelai. I don't like Rory. I don't like either of the senior Gilmores. Luke <laughs> gets a pass sometimes, but oh my god, <laughs> he is like so freaking toxic to his employees and most of his customers. Taylor Josie can go drown in a lake. Just can doesn't him. drown you first, right? Because yeah. he's a serial killer. Yeah, people under the gazebo. Yes, I just can join him. A true crime parody. I'm not done. <laughs> Dean also can go to hell. So can Logan, and so can Jackson. As a matter of fact, Ooh. Jackson can fight the big one. Coming for Jackson. I'm Listen not saying he's me. perfect. He's I loved him. He was he was among the tier of I characters that I love yep. until he decided to not get a vasectomy and did not tell Suki and got her pregnant without her consent. You gotta love this 2000 to 2007 TV show where it's just like 
problems we got them all oh yes (laughs) oh yes yes yeah and the thing is you know like the way that because i i've always been really judgmental about tv shock um oh we're gonna get it along great (laughs) perfect um, but there were so many times that I would watch something and, and people would be like, oh my gosh, that's so romantic. Or, oh, that's a, that's a wonderful story. And then it would, it would be like, why? Like, this person clearly does something that this person did not want them to. How is it romantic? They'd be like, oh, you just don't understand. Like, you're so, um, what's the word? Ravenclaw? Uh, <laughs> yes, you're such a Ravenclaw about it. You're such a Virgo. A Virgo and a Ravenclaw, you're the worst. And I am, I'll admit it. But I'm still right. So <laughs> suck it. Well, no, and I think I'm not so, sorry. I'm so, right. I think it, it's interesting to hear to like watch it or have someone who's never seen it before watching it now through this lens. Because oh, I yes. just remember watching it in 2000 when it came out. Like I said, I'm a year older than Rory. Um, so being able to kind of look past and forgive a lot of stuff. And I remember being like, God, when I have kids, I want to have a relationship like Lorelai and Rory do. And then I had kids and I was like, what the fuck was I thinking? Like rewatching. I'm like, I'm Lorelai's age. I think like at the, almost at the end of the show of the original show. So no, like no, yeah, you're half, years half, halfway through. Um, Cause I'm 36 now. She's 32 when the show starts. So I'm just like, what? you are not a child. Like, I understand that you, your youth was stunted or whatever, because you decided to have a child. Um, but that doesn't mean your kid has to be your parent, like be the parent in your relationship. Right. And you mm-hmm. don't have to be best friends with your kids. Mm-hmm. Like I, but she, I, yeah. she just so often felt like she had to be the cool mom or, mm-hmm. you know, in a lot of, a lot of the way that she handled Rory's upbringing was great because Rory, up until the point that she has sex with Dean, feels that she can come to her with absolutely anything. Mm-hmm. And there's very little that she hides from her. And when she does hide something for her from her, she feels horrible because she's like, why did I do that? I know my mom loves me no matter what. Which that part is great. But then you have the the fact that all of these things that Lorelai hates about her mother, she's also doing to her kid mm-hmm. because she is trying to uh, have her kid li- live the life that she wanted, that the life that she didn't get to lead. The the whole you know Harvard dream was Lorelai's dream, that became Rory's just by <laughs> by power of suggestion. Yeah, she really went on the to the opposite extreme, like but in the exact same kind of toxic way. She wanted Rory to go and live the life that she wanted Rory to have, not the life that Rory would pick for herself. And that's not any different than what Mama and Papa Gilmore did. Right. And and I'm sorry, but Rory was like, what, 21, 22, the first time she had sex? And- 19. 19, okay. And Lorelai was like 13. And Rory took pre- precautions. Yeah, she said that like she was in the, in the closet and some party- Mm-hmm. and some guy and i thought she was whatever. like 15 but either way yeah okay so either way, she's remember exactly, younger yeah. than, than rory was yes and she's she's in that sense she's brought up rory right that rory's taking um an active participation in her reproductive and um sexual health needs and lorelei's hung up on the fact that it's oh god dean which okay yeah but okay it's married i, I mean get yeah that, i but, would say yeah. that's gross <laughs> 
for it, it's but, Dean for one. But it's <laughs> Rory's first time that it's not the time to really like, you know, like especially like right after they walked out of the room, like they just did it five minutes ago. Like maybe save the rest of the conversation for later when your daughter hasn't just had her first sexual experience. Mm-hmm. Take that breath. Yeah, I can see that, but I can also see myself being exactly like that. It would absolutely be like almost impossible to not react immediately and talk about it immediately. So that I can see. So that's the thing we're doing now, huh? And I don't think, and I don't think that she, I don't know if she was really going to go into it so hard until Rory started talking about how it's her Dean. He's Mm -hmm. my Dean. He's not Lindsay's Dean. And then Laurel, I had to be like, excuse me, check yourself. Yeah. You're cheating with a married man, and he took the ring off. Is probably one of the most disgusting lines. Oh, I know. Yes. yes, trying to yes. justify. She's like, well, cheating. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, we're oh. off to a great start. <laughs> I love it. But it's- okay, so let me tell you some things that I did enjoy, though. I did enjoy the um, the fact that they had such a great little community that. Lorelai had the foresight to leave a toxic environment and to go somewhere, you know, like she went, she lucked out into finding a job with a great employer who was really there for her in ways that like, oh my God, whose employer is that caring and that um, concerned with somebody's well-being um, and then lucked into finding this wonderful town where basically the whole town raised Rory. Mm-hmm. And I mean, absolutely, Lorelai did, a, did a, um, a great job as a single mom in a lot of ways. But one of the best ways is giving Rory a community that she could turn to in like any kind of need. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, that her embracing of Lane was also beautiful because Lane also needed somebody that she could confide in and just be herself around. Um, and that's important not only for for Lane but also for Rory because you know it, it would have been awful for Lane to not have that for herself, but also Rory got to have her best friend and her mother get along so well that they consider each other family, which mm-hmm. is in and of itself like a different kind of family. Mm-hmm. It don't end you know, with it, blood. It don't end yeah, with blood. Right. <laughs> Oh, True. you make everything supernatural, don't you, Meg? <laughs> I don't know if you know this, Jen, but that's a line from Supernatural. Oh, she knows that. Jen is one of the people who were trying to get me to watch Supernatural for years. Oh, really? And then regretted it so hard. <laughs> well, that bit you in the butt. And then, oh, I totally did. Because then through Google Hangs, I'm getting gifts and texts. And, and I'm just like, oh, buddy. And she just like went all in yeah. and I appreciated oh, yeah. it but unfortunately I was starting to kind of wean off of it and yeah well and also Jen not is not a shipper best. and the gifts I was sent to Jen <laughs> were so all, it was all porny pornographic yes. Destiel gifts with yes. no warning no warning <laughs> there was one time I think I did ask for it yeah, I, you I think I gave you permission to send like one and then you sent like six I was like, no, you, I, that, I that remember about right. there was one time in your life, there was one time, cause I had done it a lot. And then you sent me, you sent me a, t- a message one morning, like, Hey, just so you know, I'm in the office today. Cool. So then I just sent you porny text. Yeah. 
I am great with boundaries, you guys. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. I, told, I told that line <laughs> real hard. Yeah. Let's call it that. Hey. I love you. We'll go with you. that. It works. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but no, I think your favorite characters are a lot like um, most Gilmore Girls fans' favorite characters for the most part. It's, I find it interesting because you've only seen the show once. Jen and I, I think, have both watched it far too many times. Many, many times through different stages of our lives. So I remember messaging Jen after you and I talked, and I was like, she hates Paris. (laughs) <laughs> i do hate paris i'm not even sorry which, paris which i sucks. totally understand but because i think paris paris and emily they take a couple of rewatchings to get get used to them because i'm not rewatching this and i <laughs> no, but they become so and like i'm to the point now where when i watch it paris or emily pop on the screen and i smile because i'm like yeah. this is going to be entertaining good or bad cringy or not I'm going to eat this up and yeah. And so it takes some time if you're willing to put that in. I understand. I'm not wanting to. (laughs) I am am definitely not saying I want Emily Gilmore to be my mother. No, I definitely do not want Paris Geller to be my best friend, (laughs) but they have some of the best lines and they're both just really I love watching their characters be assholes to other people because I can be like, wow, that is so far overboard. What the hell is wrong with you? But also my super judgy, like inner inside part of me that I don't like to admit very often exists. It's like, yeah, you get those apples. I totally understand. You get those glass apples and then you'd be really pissed off at your husband for growing a mustache. (laughs) I'm here. But those instances where they're, being really horrible to people are the ones that he hated the most because it was often to service people you know it it was almost it was almost always people who were who they considered beneath them and it's almost always people who don't have the advantages that they have so to me it just seemed like really abusive behavior and you know you have moments like when paris and doyle move into that building and rory's you know moving in there and um Paris is explaining the building and you know she's it's like super racist yeah because she's talking about the the black people living in the building and, and she's like you know um we think that you know they're super sketchy and you know be careful with them you know if anybody comes to visit just tell them that they're a doo-wop group so basically the only thing that black people can be when they're living in a place that she's sharing are either criminals or a doo-wop group mm-hmm and that's yeah, it i forgot about that it's oh, been yeah. a while since i rewatched it too but yeah, i, I like that. when i talk about emily's barbs and stuff i usually mean when she's like a bitch to her peers and the wives no that's and, fine by like, me like oh, jason what? the jason diggers yes or the um mrs huntsberger yes She's All got of, yes, beautiful. That's when, those that's those moments are love. beautiful. Yeah, but, I'm not talking about when they punch down. Punching yeah. down is never funny. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean Emily, I mean she's sued by one of her former maids in one of the mm-hmm. seasons, you know. So clearly, but I think that you know just shows like how far detached from reality, you know, Grandma and Grandpa Gilmore are. But that also that as much as 
Lorelai thinks that she isn't like them, she clearly is. Whether she's aware of it or not, you know, making those snap judgments uh, at Rory and Paris's and, and Doyle's place. Mm-hmm. She's, she was, she's she a product of better. her raising, yeah. Right. And the thing is, you know, because at first, I feel like when Rory is, is at the beginning of this year is when she's like this tiny little sweet little kid. I don't think that she is like that necessarily. Um, but as she goes through the series and especially like after she's been through Yale, mm-hmm. she gets really, you know, her 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 whole vibe changes and it just becomes mm-hmm. really classist mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. really superior. And it's just really gross. Well, and I think Rory always always kind of wanted a little taste of that because it was withheld from her for so long. And we see that so many times in Lorelai's reaction. Oh, you want to go golfing with your grandpa, spend the day at the country club? Oh, you're going to do the coming out thing? Like you don't have, I I shielded you from all of this. Like, no, you withheld opportunities. Whether I would sign up for any of that as well. But I think, yeah, Rory always kind of wanted that. She knew the upbringing her mom had. She sees everything that her grandparents have. She benefits from all of that. But right. I think she really wanted that firsthand experience. And then being the little brat that she is and can't handle rejection <laughs> or criticism, besides one person tells her she doesn't have it, and she's going to quit everything. Right. <laughs> Which was just mind-blowing to me. Because God. somebody who is elitist so and entitled. Yeah. Yeah. Because, okay, and, and I read that in this article that said that one of the, the biggest plot holes in the Gilmore Girls was how Rory got valedictorian over Paris. And I'm like, I agree. Mm-hmm. Because Paris had been there longer. She was the editor of the paper. She had a ton of extracurriculars. And yes, she may be somebody that I hate and would, you know, I I, I don't want to talk about punching teens, but if I were a teen, <laughs> I would want to punch her as a teen, not as an adult, because that would be wrong. But aside from her violence. horrible personality... Yeah, TNT violence, it's okay. Yeah. Um, it's, just, I, it's just a misdemeanor assault. It's not like child it's not, abuse. Right. Yeah. Not what I'm also a child. Yeah. But, but that, that's one of those things that like Rory gets everything handed to her down to boyfriends. Like she never has to work for, for, um, for affection. It's always just mm-hmm. there for her. It's always just handed to her. And, uh, but anyway, so, um, I forgot what my point was. Well, well, and just to kind of, well, you remember, well, you remember your point and to build off of that. I think that's one of the so frustrating things about Rory is I know she had this town, this community who's there for her and everything, but one of the most detrimental things to her personally is that she has all of these people constantly telling her how special she is, how special she is in the town. Yeah. And everyone wants her to be like the snow queen girl or all these God, other could things. You imagine being like, yeah. Just anybody age, else, anyone right. else in that town, having to compare, uh, having to walk no, by know, and it's, see it's Rory ridiculous. Gilmore's fucking face, <laughs> the ice cream oh. queen, and the you yeah. Think, do you think that you might go for for Snow Queen, no Snow Princess this year? No, it's gonna go to Rory Gilmore. Oh, yeah. right, that, <laughs> like Gilmore. so they we put, all know about her. Did you know she wasn't even born here? Like she and her mom moved here. They what? Li- I didn't hear that. And they live in that house. That's like you know just. Why, how did they own that house? Like, how is that possible? Well, you know, her mom is actually loaded. No, I heard that it's her parents who are actually, okay, but that's, okay, anyway. 
But yeah, 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 yeah. it's like they look Rory and every other child (laughs) is like shat upon. Right, exactly. She's too good to go to our school, which is fine. You want to send your kid to a private school. She's she's obviously very, very smart. But then to be like even Lane to just be like, yeah, you know, Rory. And and there's no substitute when she decides she doesn't want to be the ice cream queen or whatever. Taylor didn't try to get any of No runner. Just try to get anybody else. He printed off a cardboard picture and passive... (laughs) Passive aggressively, all of you fugly farts, stay away from the throne. <laughs> passive aggressively destroyed the day of a bunch of small children because yeah. if it wasn't Rory, he wasn't going to do it. And I feel like part of it is they just have one poster. They only had budget in the in Stars <laughs> Hollow for one cardboard poster. And years ago, Rory, because this the picture of her was when she was like fifteen, pretty dated. Mm-hmm. So they, they they had the budget to print out one. And they just, that's why Rory does everything because they don't have the budget to print out a picture of another kid. Yep. She's now the new feature of the uh, living art. And yep, she's Snow Queen. And she's going to be the mascot for the um, adult section in the video store. Like it's all Rory. It's a Rory show. I know when I'm looking (laughs) at porn, when I'm going to rent porn, I'm like, thank God Rory's here. Thank God exactly the face i need to see as i'm crossing <laughs> right. the curtain <laughs> right. oh my god but Rory, she just gets everything handed to her and i don't think that she even really realizes it you know like at one point i think she she does mention that yes i get that i have privilege but even at that point she's not really cognizant of how much privilege because well, it's such a throwaway when she says it yeah. yeah 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 well it is such a throwaway and it's it's also it's there's no feeling behind it because Rory doesn't care Mm -hmm. because she has been brought up to think that she is God's gift to everything yeah and then when she gets her first bit of pushback from someone who is not there to basically suck her metaphysical dick she yeah she drops she out of yale it. she joins the right. dar yep living in the pool house at the gilmore's and this is what happens i would have lived when in you that are friends with your kids things. first and not parents we tell our kids all the time we are not here to be your friends we are here to be your parents and to make sure you don't grow up into tiny little jerks or grown <laughs> yes. up jerks you know, I was like, well, tiny today, jerks. I was like, just today, <laughs> I, mean, I told them, I was like, the, school, jerks. the school's job is to educate you on these kind of fundamentals, math, reading, you know, because of their age and everything. I was like, your dad and I's job is to make sure you don't grow up to be little jerks. You're good people, decent human beings to do mm-hmm. the right thing. But all these things need to combine for really that to kind of happen and flourish. And because we make them do homework on the weekends. How dare you? <laughs> Uh, I've actually been accused of basically war crimes to try and get my eight-year-old to clean her room. And I'm like, I'm, I'll pay you. Like, I will, I, I believe in paying my children for chores and for their labor. Um, But (laughs) you would think, you would think that I pulled all of her fingernails out the way she behaved. Like, I'm asking you to put your laundry away in the, in the drawers that they go into, not just shove all of it. Right. She shoved everything in one drawer and it's piled up to the top of the dresser and she obviously can't close it. I'm just saying. Listen, I fold everything by category. I drop mm-hmm. the basket off and I'm like, mm-hmm. put it away and it fell down. Yeah. Melvin, can you help me? I'm like, I helped you by folding it. 
and stacking it by category and washing it (laughs) like just pick up the stack of undies put them in the undie section and you're done with that section oh it's amazing yeah I do the same thing, fold it in categories, place in a basket. You got the weekend to put them away to get your allowance and they'll put them away, but they also, one will just kind of shove whatever he can, wherever he can. But both of them seem to have this problem with actually closing the drawer. Oh no, yes. They're just open. Like they've just been ransacked through. See. But this way, if our kids get rejected for a job, they will not throw away their entire collegiate right. career. Exactly. They've heard no plenty of times. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm proud to be a mean mommy. <laughs> and go full-fledged wasp hellscape. <laughs> but yeah, like that, that's the thing, you know, um, Lorelai grew up hearing no a lot. So she thought, I'm going to raise my kid right. I'm going to not tell her no i'm going to just let her do whatever she wants as long as it's not something that's going to physically endanger her or whatever and boy did that come back to bite her in the butt because first of all not only is her kid like better uh suited for a life that she grew up in and rejected mm-hmm. but also her parenting style was not conducive to the kind of life that she wanted rory to lead because yeah. if, if you're going to be an ambitious person if you're going to be putting yourself out there at the mercy of other people to review you and talk about you, then you have to know that some people are not going to like you and that the world's not going to revolve around you, which is another thing that I didn't like about any of the Gilmore people is that you can't tell them no about anything Mm-mm. because they will not accept no and they will completely steamroll you into getting what they want, which except, is, I, I thought it was so screwed up. Except Rory, who will take one no and then cry about it for a year. <laughs> and ruin her, her life, yes. There's always yes. an exception and, to the rule. And steal a yacht. Well, that's the thing. Like, even right. if you're not super ambitious or anything like that, you should grow up learning to, to handle rejection. I understand right. when you're a little kid dealing, and, and even into your early teens and stuff, dealing with rejection is hard. Dealing with rejection as an adult is hard also. Mm-hmm. You know, not getting a job that you apply for, that sucks. But you know what? That's a part of life. And that's something that exactly. even if you're not ambitious, even if you're not the town's most precious little step for child. <laughs> no, but, but the thing is, because Rory becomes her mother, she becomes Emily as the show goes on, because she also starts to steamroll people and she also mm-hmm. seems to take no. Um, and, you know, while I'm glad that she pushed for her position at the, at the newspaper, there were a lot of times when she just, you know, they, what they like to do is that they like to um, talk people into submission, you know, and, and it's like, well, you said no to me, you're not letting me have this thing that I want. Well, let me just talk in circles until you just get so freaking tired of me. Mm-hmm. They're the, me. They are they're yeah. the height of entitlement. That's yeah. Absolutely... They're they're manipulative. Mm-hmm. They're they're jerks about it, and it just it just bothered me so much. Yeah. Well, but I'm curious about what your thoughts are on a different uh, parent-child relationship. How about Luke and April? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I wanted to Listen. see that just for the look on Jen's face. <laughs> I, you oh, know what? God. I hated that storyline. I hated it so fucking much. I hated how they wrote Luke to handle that. It mm-hmm. was the worst. And I was, it was so, so, so mad at him. out of so, character. So mad at him. Yes. 
it was really frustrating and it really kind of diminished Luke and Lorelai's relationship so, yes. so far because in the beginning, so they start dating at the end season five, basically at the very end of season four. And when Emily gets in there and is meddling and at her vow renewals that scene with Christopher, mm-hmm. that is, that is like probably one of my favorite arcs of the entire show because I am a slut for angst and pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it was such a powerful breakup and heartbreak. And, and you feel mm-hmm. for Lorelai's pain, you feel for Luke's pain and Rory kind of being stuck in this really scary place where she she loves both of these people individually and together. And to see her mom behave in a way that she's never seen her behave in after she her and Max broke up, she was never like that. She's never been like that with Christopher before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was And it was so well done. Like, and there was yeah. such a believable reason for them to be apart. And then when they get back together, it was a really believable reason for them to get, for them getting back together. And I love how they handled Emily after that. And Emily felt like, well, I got you guys back together. You had to come back and, and be a part, like, let me control your life some more. Right. And they didn't let her. And I thought that was fantastic. But then after that, Luke decides he's going to start lying about having a kid when he finds out which about it, sense. which makes zero sense. Then he's not going to let Lorelai, like his fiance, be a part of yeah, life. to yeah. be a part of his family. And Anna Nardini is the is a huge piece of shit for even putting yeah. Luke in that well, situation. Here's, here's the thing though, because Anna Nardini starts out being like perfectly fine. Absolutely, yeah. she should have told Luke. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Her, her reasoning that well he doesn't like kids it's like a lot of people don't like their own kids unless they're their own kids yeah you know they, they don't like other people's children yes. but he never got the chance to be a parent like. at all yeah <laughs> yeah i feel like yeah me too but it was in a i think it was season seven when she becomes completely unreasonable yes 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 suddenly the season that shall not be named <laughs> <laughs> Where they go from having a perfectly good um, co-parenting relationship to suddenly she's throwing up all of these roadblocks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I I don't think that there's anything wrong with her wanting to move to New Mexico because of her mother's health. That made perfect sense. It made zero sense to have her suddenly be like, oh, hey, so listen, April, this man that I've let you get to know who is your father, whom you've come to love, you basically can't ever see him again. Yeah, and, and it's yep. and it's your- not even like, it's not even like April just met him that, right. and then she's like, well, they we're moving bonded. to New Mexico. They've established, they've, they're built. They bonded. Yeah. Trust. Yes. And, and I, and I thought that was a shitty thing for Anna to do. I thought, I kind of liked that storyline just from a dramatic point of view. I would have loved to have seen that storyline happen with Luke and Lorelai together though. This was in, in the time of shows where they're like, oh, we got the, the OTP of the show together. Now let's do roadblock and roadblock and break mm-hmm. them up and put them back together and break yep. them up. And yep. I, it pissed me off so much when Luke was so out of character and why would he not want Lorelai to be a part of, I could understand he the very- I can understand the very, very beginning when he's like, I want to have a chance to bond with my child. Right. But even yes. then, he he should have told her. Yeah. And I think if they were writing Luke in character, he would have told yes. her. He, yeah. he ran to her with every little, almost every little bit of help, advice for Jess. He yeah. didn't know mm-hmm. what he was doing. And he eventually would go to her or she would 
you know, without prompting, give her advice or her opinion or steamroll him because it's so super fucking important (laughs) and then judge him on not knowing what (laughs) that he's doing and that whatever. But he, they, he still went to her. He still sought her advice. He still would take her advice when it wasn't asked for and realize like, okay, maybe she does kind of know a little something because she has already raised a child, Mm -hmm. even though, you know, I helped, but I was going to say, they, they both really underestimate each other's ability yes, to yes. raise children when they both had, a, like, obviously, Laura and I, being the mother, had the biggest hand in raising Rory, but Luke was there for all yeah, of it. Yes. Luke was, he helped. Luke, he helped when he's getting pissed off at Christopher. He's like, who was there when she had the chicken <gasps> yes. pox? Right. That yes. was me. Who oh. was there for all of her birthday parties? Me. When she gets upset with her mom and wants to talk to someone, who does she come to? Yes. Me. He right. has been her father figure for her yeah. entire life and to to have and this, this storyline the where they can't yeah. talk to each other and, yeah, and one figure that out from the beginning of the show it's that luke has always cared for and been proud of rory yeah. he and loves that, her you know, so he, much at the very beginning he's a grump to everybody except for rory rory is the only person that he is genuinely openly um kind and loving to mm-hmm. yeah because you know he he was showing tolerance for Laura, even though he was pining for her, clearly. He was very, you know, himself to her. But always, always, always with Rory. It isn't even even just a thing of like, oh, well, she's a kid and he, you know, anybody could be like, I'm not a jerk to kids. He's a jerk to kids. Who's that poor little kid? (laughs) The inhaler. (laughs) I know, yes. Oh my God, that was awful. That's amazing. See, and I I think one of the things I've watched this show so many times at so many different ages that all of these things that I know are like not cool. I don't care. I'm like when they do it, it's adorable. Listen, listen, that's the thing (laughs) with with shows that we watched a long time ago, that as we've grown as humans, we've learned to look at them more critically and to look at the problematic problematic elements. It doesn't mean that our hearts aren't still yeah. tied to them. And I don't think that there's anything necessarily wrong with that because, you know, there are some things that you can recognize the problematic, problematic things in them, mm-hmm. not overlook them mm-hmm. and still feel the love and nostalgia. It's, you know, I love friends. I'm never going to not love friends and friends was hella problematic. Yeah. Just like Gilmore girls is in a lot mm-hmm. of ways so yes. many similar elements of privilege and entitlement and you know well and the really kind of casual whiteness. the casual racism and homophobia, homophobia. yeah transphobia yeah ableism yeah oh it's, my God, it's yeah. all there yeah well yeah. that's one of those things where it's like it, it and carla and i when we talk about this a lot on our, our podcast we talk about things that were more accepted yes at the time not more acceptable right but more accepted and trying to kind of view it through that lens, especially when we're talking about talking about something critically or characters, when we do our character analysis, we're like, yeah, right. this is a shitty thing. And it was written shittily. Yeah. <laughs> but this is why, you know, I, I'm not sitting here judging you guys for yes, loving. It's okay. No, I, I, really <laughs> I judge me. I judge her. I judge my other friend. <laughs> Always. I, got my, I got my best friend Jill into it somewhere around season four or five, and she yeah. got sucked down the SARS hollow vortex. I mean, <laughs> no, but because, that's so like, funny because Jen literally is like, I'm here to tolerate you guys about shows I love. <laughs> and the entire premise of our show is to judge characters and deem who's worthy of life. 
Right, but I think it's one thing to judge the characters and to judge yeah. the show and the creators of that mm-hmm. content than it is to judge each other for enjoying it. Right, right. And, you know, it would be a whole different thing if that show was created now and dropped as is now and people oh, yeah. flocking yeah. to it. Yeah. Because well, then I have a problem with that. But or- I don't have a problem with people having nostalgic affection and love for content mm-hmm. that that they grew up with well or even people who are not willing to hear any criticism about something that they absolutely oh yeah love yeah. like i worse yeah. yeah i do absolutely love this show it's hella problematic i my some of my favorite characters are not my favorite characters because they're good people right their favorite characters because they're just i find them very entertaining the yes. more i watch the show as i get older the more i like emily even though she is awful she yeah. is a awful woman i don't think she's quite levels of mussolini and pol pot like was so fun to watch she's so fun to watch fun to watch when she's being abusive to her equals not right (laughs) even after this many rewatches and being familiar with different episodes season scenes I'll maybe be on my phone because I'm like oh yes you know this cold open was just whatever it wasn't anything major but then we'll get maybe a couple scenes in and Emily comes in and she starts going off on whatever. And I'm like, oh yes, I remember this. And phone goes down <laughs> and I'm just like grinning. I'm like, oh God, like it's horrible. And, and it, my, it, like everything makes right, sense, but, but, but I love it. But my favorite is when her and Lorelai are together. Yes. Like that's when I, that's when I, she's like my favorite Emily is when she's just relentlessly toxic to her own daughter, which is not, and which see, is like, not I good because I'm watching it now. Yeah. Yes. Although, yeah. frankly, I also hated it back then, which is why I only watched a few episodes and was I was like, I'm out. Um, yeah. But that's you know, um, again, I I don't think that it makes a fan of the show who watched it back then, or even ten, even five years ago. Just because you're a bad guy <laughs> doesn't make you a bad guy. <laughs> God. But. I really think that, you know, if you can't look at your show through a critical lens, if you bristle when somebody points out something problematic and your your first reaction is to um, to put down the person who is bringing this stuff up without thinking, huh, mm-hmm. you know, I hadn't thought, of, especially when it's, when it's, you know, somebody who is um, from an underrepresented group who is saying, hey, did you mm-hmm. watch this? Like, this is how it's making me feel. And you're like, it's my favorite show. Shut up. Like that. Okay. Th- that's yeah. not okay. No. Well, and and, okay. and to even kind of take it a step, not even a step further from that. If your internal first reaction, when someone criticizes something that you love just to yourself is to be like, oh, but I love it. That's okay. But you don't say that right. to the person right. like, fuck you. You're, that's, cr- that's you're completely, part you keep val- inside. you're completely right. valid because it's because, it and I've talked about this a lot before. There are certain shows, books, movies, things that we kind of absorb into ourselves and they feel like they become a part of us. So hearing someone say that they don't like it or something like that can give that initial feeling of like, well, if you don't like this, then what do you think of me? What do you think? Mm-hmm. I like this. Right. You right. must not like me. Yep. Because it's an extension. We feel that it's yeah. an extension of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So if you don't like that part of me, then then I what don't else? Like the rest of me. Yeah. What else about me don't you like? Right. Right. But you don't. Yeah. You like don't say that. You can just be like, right. oh, okay, and have yeah. that conversation and accept it because, yeah. like, 
Oh, I've never seen it. Or, or I saw a little bit. It wasn't for me, but that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How hard but is that? Even, you know, you hear this criticism. If you're not in a good place to accept it at that moment, you know, at least say, well, listen, I, I just, I can't process this right now, but I mm-hmm. will think about what you said. Because I honestly, like, that's the, the bare minimum you can do to honor both the person's insight and also yourself. Because frankly, I think I've said that. I think I have said that to you before when you were, you and you started on something that I really like. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I was just I in a, I was, I was in yeah. a really, really bad, like, yeah. space it was during this Which it I was during the panorama funny. yeah and I was just like I was like I can't handle this right now yeah <laughs> can we talk about absolutely- it later <laughs> Which is because I really think that, that that's the other side of the coin is that sometimes you know if we're watching something that we've watched a million times sometimes it's because we're going through something and we need something mm. to click to something like a comfort yeah kind of yes. element and um and I think also we need to be understanding that you know if I bring some like like that conversation conversation with Meg, if I'm bringing something up to Meg and she's not in a in a in a good place to receive the criticism at the moment, then it doesn't mean that she won't or right. that the topic is taboo and that she'll never be open to hearing what I have to say about it. But it does mean that you know my friend is going through something and this is not mm-hmm. a good time. I just remembered what it was. Calm. And we just remembered it was something that had to do with supernatural. And I was just, oh, because, and it was something, it was something that we had talked about a lot. We have talked about it a lot and it's never been an issue, but it was just something that it was something about that day. And I was like, I know mm-hmm. this is something that we talk about all the time, but I just can't, I can't deal with it. I understand there's this bullshit. I don't, I just can't, I need to mm-hmm. have my little, my little snuggle in my soft blanket. <laughs> right. And, and that's kind of what Gilmore Girls is to me in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. when I was like I said I'm the same age as Rory so watching it from her age was something that sat in me I've always hated Rory I'm not gonna lie (laughs) like always she was always the exact opposite of who I ever was Mm -hmm. um but then when I got pregnant with my my first daughter and I I was home I didn't have a job at the time it was during the 2008 crash basically and that's all I did. I watched Gilmore Girls. I went out and bought the DVD sets because <laughs> this was before mm-hmm. Netflix was a thing. And yeah. I watched it nonstop to the point where that's how I met Jen was because I watched it so much. My husband said, oi, <laughs> with the poodles already. And I was like, huh? huh? What? I was like, <laughs> a little like, go prairie. She prairie, prairie dog. Yeah. She prairie <laughs> dog. Over the cue ball. I was like, what's that? <laughs> And then the rest is history. Um, But it's just, but yeah, I totally understand that it's problematic as shit. Um, We have not talked about Suki. Oh, I love Suki so much. Suki and Lane, I feel like got shit on. Screwed the hardest. Yes, especially, personally, I think Lane, especially in that seventh season, she got Mm -hmm. shafted, hashtag justice for Lane. Wait, did I say Suki or Lane? Lane. Um, Because what a bullshit storyline that was. Thank you. I was yes. so pissed off. She goes so, from Dave to, to Zach, who I, you know, when I tweet about the show, I call him Sack. Even, yeah. even Henry, I'm sorry. Even Henry, her yes. fake yes. boyfriend was better than Zach. Oh my yes. God. He was the worst. How And Dave was so good. He was so, Dave everything was so he did. He Adam was really, Brody had the OC guys. I know. Right. I know. And I never <laughs> watched it, but I'm happy for him. Something better 
then oh well mm-hmm. here's a bandmate who's taller than her he has all his hair let's well, make and, him a lady and he was such an asshole yes. to yes. everybody everybody yes. he was a dick to sebastian so like yes. excuse me he was that yes. is just that is towards sebastian you mean gil you mean gil? no no he is sebastian <laughs> gil yeah. gil brought them free sandwiches from his shop Thank you. Yes. He got okay. them in CBGBs. He brought the experience. Even after bringing them, getting them to CBGBs, Zach was still a huge asshole to him. Yes. Yeah. Fuck when you, Zach. C- what are you doing? When the CB show, CB, CBGB show got inadvertently canceled because there was no one there, mm-hmm. Zach was still being, he was being a shit towards Gil. Like it was all his fault that only Brian's parents showed up. Sebastian. Right. Sebastian. Where were, where oh were your God. parents, Zach? Where were your exactly. mom and dad? Exactly. <laughs> He was so, he's like, to Brian, he's like, oh, why don't your parents drink? You know what? That's none of your business. Maybe, maybe right. one of them has a problem, had, had, had a problem. And they're there to support their kid. And I thought that, that was amazing. That's even exactly. if they don't drink. God, like, he was such a jerk. He, and he let was. me tell you the other thing though, is he had no personality. There was none. nothing interesting to him at all. Brian had more personality. If, if they yes. were in a pair off lane with anybody from the band, I would have wanted it to be <gasps> Brian. Yes. That would have been about so Korean cute. Culture. Yes. He was so into so Korean cute. culture. Yes. You're telling me like he she couldn't have gone for the guy who was like actually sweet and caring and interested and attentive. In around him. And didn't just didn't yeah. use it's, her for free she french fries. She always just had that inherent kind of like got it. She she was completely different from him. Like when I first started watching the show after a couple after I'd been on for a few seasons, what hooked me was the fast talking and the references. And from there it was just like like I was a fish being reeled in. I could mm-hmm. not stop. Also ended up buying all the DVDs. With their glossaries. The last seasons. Yes. Oh, I love the glossaries. <laughs> the pop culture glossaries in the DVDs are like almost as thick That's as so the cute. entire book. Yes. They're, they're so fun. I almost, anyways. But for me, the ones that I related to most was not Lorelai per se, but her strained relationship with her mother. I relate <laughs> to that. And then Lane and her strained relate. I have mommy issues her strained relationship with Mrs. Kim. My mother was Emily Gilmore and Mrs. Kim. I mean, we weren't like super rich or any, we weren't like Whoa. Gilmore rich or anything, but you know, my parents worked and saved and yada, yada, but personality, mentality and controlling wise, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was my mommy. So I kind of, I don't know. I don't sort of kind of get, I, maybe this is just trying to excuse it away her Blaine's hooking up with Zach because it's such a departure from Mrs. Mm -hmm. Kim even though Mrs. Kim was to a point where she was accepting of the band and everything but I was gonna say I do want still doesn't make it okay yeah I do want to say from Mrs. Kim though of all of the parents she grew the most yes by the end of it she was there like she got them a tour and like I'll be yes it was a church tour and everything but she got them on she was so supportive and even in the beginning she's always loved music she's always that's always been something she just didn't love lane's music and i think it was really interesting to show kind of that covert or the overt controlling Mm -hmm. where lane felt she had to rebel and rebel and rebel which is not great but by the end of it her and lane really kind of found this great balance yes in in their relationship and and mama kim became more supportive she became she accepted Zach because what else is she gonna do yeah she didn't yeah. want to lose Lane and I she feel didn't like wanna, yeah. she she'd already kind of lost Lane with the mm-hmm. failed CBGBs and I because like I just watched that show the other day, that episode the other day and I remember 
like the very first time watching it and just doing nothing but relating with Lane and knowing what that was like and feeling that and just trying really hard. Like that conversation could have easily happened between me and my mom, but much, much loud, like Gilmore loud, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but less or the other night when I was watching it, I was all team Mrs. Kim. Just when, that heartbreak, that yes. the look on her face as she's discovering everything and everything's all out. And she's like, kind of wanting to support her daughter, but stay true to herself. So she's like, okay, fine. If you want to live that life, you can, but you can't do it here. Yeah. And right. Oh my God. It was as a, on that parent end of the spectrum. Now, all these years later, it broke my fucking heart well, and, it, and that, it pers- put things in perspective. Yeah. And I was like, this totally was what my mom went through. And well, now I fully see it and understand it and that but, moment when she says tells luke that lane won't be in and she finds mm-hmm. out that luke already knows heartbreaking like that that broke my heart for mama kim and honestly if we talk about gilmore girls i really would have liked to explore a little bit more of lane's life as obviously yes. she's a first generation american mm-hmm. um whose parents are immigrants and and i would prefer honestly like if we're talking about today if they're gonna remake a gilmore girls thing i would rather have it be lane's story because lane is much more interesting than rory her i I said so many times while i was watching it if Mm -hmm. there's a story that i want to see it's lane kim's story yeah she has so much more to offer as a character the dynamic between her and her mom is much more interesting and more complex yeah right and and also lane lane is a more interesting character than than rory Mm -hmm. by far um mrs kim also more interesting um than lorelei and the I think that there's something to be said for the fact that, you know, when you're looking, when you're looking at the side characters, when you're looking at, you know, Paris or uh, even Doyle. Kirk. Yes. <laughs> Kirk. Luke, <laughs> Kirk. Yes. All of them, all of them have, have uh, more effective screen time and more attention paid to their character, whether they develop or not, mm-hmm. than Lane, Suki, Michelle. And I think it's not an accident that Lane is Asian, Suki is fat, and Michelle is black. Like yeah. there's absolutely a correlation between all of these things and the lack of attention that's paid to mm-hmm. to their growth and development. And even with that, even with the way with the way that their um, star was diminished in this show, they're still more interesting and more compelling than a lot of these characters. Yeah. So I, I think that that's a lot to say about the fact that, you know, that that uh, people from underrepresented communities on television are treated this way despite the massive amounts of talent mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. the actors might have. Because, yeah. I mean, Melissa McCarthy is amazing, even beyond Suki. I mean, she's she's an absolute powerhouse. And uh, Keiko Ajena is you know she's gone on to write mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. she's writing for prodigal son as, in addition to being a cast member mm-hmm. um and michelle i don't know what he's done since then but that's not the point i love him <laughs> he's, he's great in his role but he was given almost nothing to do like he wasn't really yeah. given anything no interesting depth. to do yep no, he, likes, no he likes to dance he has his chow puppies he likes, he likes to stay yeah. fit but but that's it oh and we made his that's mom it. in the earlier seasons but that's right. That's literally it. Yeah, and he's he's been doing her. some TV shows, TV movies, some look like some French um stuff. He's on Les Mecs. 
now, which I've never heard of, but, um, but yeah, it's Yannick Truesdale and he's fantastic. I love Michelle. He's so, I love, okay. I love how, how much he loves Emily Gilmore because they're just both. Yeah. That relationship is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, agreed but we still didn't talk about Suki we got off onto a lane right. oh, sorry. <laughs> so no because Lane's amazing <laughs> no she really is but what I love about Suki is that um you know she is the consummate best friend she's you know like so there for everybody which is part of why I got so annoyed about the fact that she was just made into a best friend mm-hmm. and that her, everything about her revolved around her reactions to Lorelai's life and mm-hmm. the, the only the only time that we got to see anything more about her was when she's, you know, she's a flake because she doesn't make it to meetings on time and she she fails to show up for the delivery of the the stove and you know like those are the, the only bits of anything that we really get beyond mm-hmm. the fact that she's so amazing as a as a chef and she's you know um hilariously great with jackson and she has her kids that's really all we get mm-hmm. and how how is that possible when you have freaking melissa mccarthy playing this role and she, she just brings so much more to it than the than the giver and i think it's also really one of the, the best character entrances that you see is like <laughs> the first time that you meet her there's this beautiful choreographed scene of her you know dropping things and burning herself and you know almost slicing somebody's head off and all of the the the, the sous chefs around her are you know trying to catch her and help her and you yeah. know, keep her from from decapitating somebody by accident on all it the band-aids so- yes, yes all the band-aids <laughs> it's such gorgeous choreography and she makes it look so effortless Mm-hmm. and this is in season one yep yeah no she she's amazing but it is one of those things when i feel like there's a, a, a trend because we're talking about friends and other shows at the time where it's like the lorelei and rory were the son of mm-hmm. the show mm-hmm. and everything else revolved around them and i think a lot of ensemble casts have kind of moved beyond that where other characters like when you have an ensemble it's a bit treated more like an ensemble but if mm-hmm. you look at like look at this or if, if you look at supernatural like these two characters are the sun and everything else has to relate to them and somehow in, in some way and it really meant a lot of other characters got the shaft yeah yeah which, which would have been fine except that as the years went on it just got worse not better yeah yes yeah because it's one thing to start out with you know you're, you're basing your story around these two three four characters or whatever the story goes on these side characters are still there but they're you know you're kind of pushing them even more into the wings mm-hmm. why you know like we want to know more about these people we, mm-hmm. you know if you're giving us 23 episodes of an hour-long drama there is plenty of plenty room of, yep. yes absolutely their inner lives like there's no reason why um why this should happen and you know i'm gonna jump back to lane though because there was no reason why at the end first of all you have the fact that she um she has sex one time doesn't enjoy it ends up pregnant with twins yes. what the hell mm-hmm. was that about uh, what is it not okay 
No, it's not. Who, always hated it. who let her have sex on the beach for her first time? Who <laughs> did not stop her? That that's right there is enough to write Zach off entirely. To be like, mm-hmm. yeah, the it's the first time we've had sex. Let's go on to a beach. Yes, right. With no blanket. No, right. Oh. Yeah. But if that's if that was their their best idea to make Lane more interesting, then I'm sorry, that's the writers telling on themselves mm-hmm. yes because lane was far more interesting than just somebody to have this completely bland dudes two why, children why couldn't we have just seen her with or without without zach with without a partner like be successful with her band right that's all she wanted that's what you know her and mrs kim got in that fight about moved out or got mm-hmm. kicked out and then mrs kim comes around and you know is essentially their road manager and everything like why couldn't they have just built up on that and slowly yeah. you know beyond the the church circuits and everything maybe yeah. start playing some church camps or something but anything because they had anything. to follow that trope of uninteresting men and wives they don't deserve right <laughs> no, but, but was, like honestly trope and i hate it so much but you know it just it's, it's really frustrating to see somebody as smart and interesting and talented as lane kim mm-hmm. and uh on the arm of the least interesting character mm-hmm. in the entire show married to him and having his two children like like super tying them together she she right. doesn't even it's have like, the option of of or she has the option but she's like right. 20, well, she she's 22 yeah. years old with twins yeah, yeah. like that very religious that mom it's there's exactly. your whole life. She doesn't even get to go on tour when he gets the he gets to go and have the well, he decides not yep. to, but he has the opportunity. No, he does and go, doesn't he? He does band. go. It's, it's her band. It's her band. Her yeah, band. She kept them together. Yeah. She, together. she brought in Gil. Yes. And you're telling me that she has to sit on the sidelines because and raise got, babies while he gets to live the dream. That, I'm I'm really annoyed at the fact that she didn't get to enjoy sex. Yes. yes like why absolutely you know, first like according to the show's canon as far as we know she has sex the one time mm-hmm. hated it got pregnant and never had sex again yeah we as never as we hear know. we yeah. never no. hear about it again no because if, you, if you're gonna go down that route why not come back to it and you know see her um learning more about pleasure and just about enjoying the act by herself or with somebody if, if she didn't enjoy it because you know this would be a much more progressive progressive thing than they could have probably even thought of back then maybe she's ace what do mm-hmm. we know but well, and the show itself it is pretty slut shamey though oh big yes. time yeah. you know what i mean it doesn't really embrace um female sexuality in any way like when rory rory has sex with two guys when she first starts sleeping with logan um, who we also haven't talked really about, um, but she first sleeps with Logan, and then she's talking. And Lane discovers that she has to wait. She wants to wait until she's married. Right. Like first off, that's treated like a shitty, gross choice, which is not. It, it somehow yeah. managed to like slut shame, and yeah. virgin, virgin, and virgin shame, shame at yeah. the same in the same scene. It's amazing because right. like it's because a devastating thing do, for Lane to not want to do have with sex. women's sexuality is yeah. taboo. You can never yep. do anything right as a woman, yeah. whether you have sex or you don't. Yeah, but There's yeah, so no right way to go about it. Lane's going through this tra- this dramatic moment when she realizes that she wants to wait 
until she's married to have sex. And she's trying to find comfort and talk to Rory about it. And and she mentions that Rory's had sex with two guys in a year. And Rory's like, oh, you're making me sound kind of slutty. And I'm like, first off, first (laughs) off, shit. (laughs) Where, no. Yeah, that was a bit, (laughs) a bit. Second, I was offended. I was offended. Yeah. And and I felt a little sorry. I was like, oh, only two in a year. (laughs) Get out there, Rory. Sorry. Little miss, I want to have a casual relationship. Right. But, you know, for one thing, you know, the fact that he was married, notwithstanding, I was honestly glad that it was Dean versus Mm -hmm. anybody else. Because I think Dean was the one person who really loved her for everything that she was um jesse the, the fact that that jesse and rory had so much in common yes. definitely worked in their favor but that's having things in common mm-hmm. whereas mm-hmm. with dean they they didn't have all that much in common but they loved each other and dean accepted that he he was never going to be book smart like rory but he didn't care as far as he was concerned he was proud as hell of her he loved how smart she was she was he would talk about it incessantly to anybody who would listen and he would support her, whatever she wanted to do to pursue her goals. Um, and also of the the of the two, Dean was more willing to do the things that that he needed to do to make her happy, because Jess would just show up anywhere and just be an absolute jerk to anybody for no good reason, to her mother, whom she loved, to her grandparents, whom she loved. Anybody mm-hmm. that Rory cared about did not matter to Jesse as much as Jesse cared about what Jesse wanted. Jess, yes, sorry. I'm like, <laughs> you, you don't want to be Jesse's girl? <laughs> well, and that's one of the things that I found so interesting rewatching it as I got older. Because I remember when I was mm-hmm. younger, I, I hated Dean um, for a lot of stuff. I still, like, I hated Dean so much. I didn't watch Supernatural for like yes, 10 years because amazing. I hated that character so much but and i and it's interesting because oh, if you talk to a lot of like the the og fans or whatever of gilmore girls who watched it as it was coming out jess is always everyone's like it's always team dean team jess yeah. and 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 i could understand that when i was watching it younger watching it now i'm like i would hate this is the kid that i would not say anything to my daughter about dating because it would only make her date him harder. And we yep. see that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but I would not want him near my kids because if you can't treat, like, I'm not going to judge you by how you treat my daughter. I will obviously, but how you treat other people around in her life, I'm going to mm-hmm. judge just as hard. I will judge people how they, by how they treat, like in real life, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm obviously going to judge people by how they treat service people. Yes, or right. that's a big one or anyone who can't give you anything in return necessarily how you treat them is how i'm going to judge you and jess was an asshole to everybody yeah, yes. everybody and yes was... by the end he grew a bit but you didn't really get to see that you see him in right. like two episodes at the at the end of the season and then you see him like for a for a scene and a half mm-hmm. where he gets all moon-eyed at at her in the year in a life but we're not talking about a year in the life um but i was always i was always in especially before a year in the life came out i was always in like the super minority of team logan mm-hmm. yes <laughs> of those three 
because first of all, when they start dating, he's up front with her. He's like, I'm not here to be your boyfriend. I, like, I can't that do that. And she chose to, to enter that relationship. And he was honest with her. He told her, I want to have a casual relationship. I don't want to have a exclu- an exclusive. He doesn't ex- want to go steady. He's like, I don't want to have an exclusive relationship. And if I'm being honest, from what I know of you, I don't think you could handle it. Mm-hmm. Right. And she's like, but I will say that even though she does fall for him first mm-hmm. and, you know, she goes through, through all of that internal drama, she doesn't put that on him. No, she, she doesn't. Straight up tells him, listen, I, I, you were, you were right in the first place. I cannot mm-hmm. handle this. Yep. And I think we should part ways. And that's when he's like, oh, well, I didn't realize that I'm in love with you. But and then it was a committed relationship. I yeah. thought they had the most, I thought, honestly, they had the most mature relationship of the three of them, because you're right. She had her feelings where she was like, and I was in a casual, I was in a casual relationship where I realized a little while in, I was like, this is not for me. And I told them and we parted ways because they didn't want to be an exclusive relationship, but I would never try and put that on him. And I love that she doesn't put it on him yeah. when she becomes uncomfortable with it. And I love that it's his emotional kind of like revelation that he wants to be mm-hmm. in a relationship with her and I and I thought for the show that was fairly progressive to have right. the man have that emotional attachment kind of and and to want to do that um he tried to help her and get her back to Yale when she decided to to dump all over he stood up to his family for her when they shat all over her and i thought he was really supportive i honestly i understand why she said no to the proposal but also at the same time he never said anything about how she couldn't have a career if they were married she assumed that yeah and who is with someone for three years and you never think about or discuss conversations marriage Yeah. yeah see round the first round growing up with it oh and i'm i've it's because i've always had a soft spot for the bad boys mm-hmm. for the the ne'er-do-well so i've always always been team jess but absolutely this last time i'm like you are why are you so mean <laughs> luke is just trying to help you why are you exactly so- you're being so ungrateful oh you're so angsty like i get it he's feeling like rejected thrown away like literally his mom doesn't want him his dad had abandoned him but he so he should have been he wasn't ready therapy. right he, so he, so but instead they ship him to luke um gives him luke, a self-help book <laughs> and he tried luke tried so he did. hard he did his yeah. best not knowing what the hell he was doing and just was a shit and even yeah. after all of that i was always team jess because also milo is very 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 good looking but now i am absolutely like she's better off like her and logan deserve each other like she doesn't deserve anyone else she doesn't deserve dean's kindness and affection Mm -hmm. she doesn't even deserve grown-up jess you know just the shit together her and logan deserve each other they they can make it work they can live their affluent life and be gilmore's and huntsburgers and be perfectly fine see again i'm not talking about the netflix special right that that kind of at the end ruined all of it for me i am talking about the end of season seven where he proposed to her she acted super shocked yes he should not have done it in public you don't propose to someone in public yeah like i'm sorry especially if you're not that sure what they want. he was so sure though which makes no 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 no, no. Yeah. 
what I mean by dead shirts, you've discussed yeah. it. You absolutely know without yeah. a shadow of a doubt that you're both. Y'all went page. ring That's... shopping together. Sure. Right. <laughs> like, but, and, and I understand, I like, I understood. I didn't want to be like, but I, again, it put on Logan, this mentality that he didn't think she could have a career if they were engaged or married. Like she wanted to do long distance. And he did say, I don't want to go backwards and do long distance again. But that's a, that's a conversation y'all could have had with your engagement. He said a long engagement would have been fine. It doesn't mean that you have to immediately. And I think that's a mentality kind of, of that set of people that once you're married or engaged, the little woman goes to her homemaking thing, but he never asked that of her. She goes to the DAR and just plans parties. But he never asked that of her. No. Uh, yeah, she just assumes all of that. And why mm-hmm. does she assume that? Is it because like, I, I'm, I'm almost kind of wondering like, where in it is it because of Emily and Gil- Emily and Richard's influence? You yeah. know, because she was raised with, you know, a single mom who never brought boyfriends home unless it was like a bit more on the serious side. Yeah. So is it this like, kind of within Rory, the struggle of like, I want to be this independent woman, but there's also this chance because of what I've seen through my grandparents' mm-hmm. lifestyle and, and everything that he's going to swoop in and become this other person and try to control me. Like, But he never, literally never right. put that on her when he first took her to meet his parents like, and they were having that? that reaction. I, I, I don't know. I'm talking it up to poor writing, to be She's perfectly a honest. Victim. Her and Lorelai are so used to being victims to every everyone else's judgments and assumptions that yeah. they just, mm-hmm. it's almost like they put themselves in that position first before anyone else can as that defense mechanism to kind of yeah. ward it off. But then mm-hmm. they just come off as like the nutters. Yeah. But yeah, he, yeah, he never put any of that on her. He was always really supportive of her career. He wanted her to go and finish school. Yeah. And and I just, and she brought out the best in him. Mm -hmm. And I frankly think he brought out the best in her. And again, I'm not talking about the year in the life. (laughs) We're not talking about that. No, because that was a mess. I'm pretending that didn't happen because that that made me just disgusted with with both of them. And Mm -hmm. I I have a whole lot of other feelings about that. We'll come back around and maybe the three of us can just do... A year, a year in the life. life. If you're willing to come back and, and engage in more Gilmore Girls, Carla. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, listen to me. If, you're, here's, here's if you're not done shitting on the show yet, please always come back. <laughs> no, here, here's the thing. If I had to go through watching the entire damn thing and watching the freaking specials, you better believe <laughs> I'm going to talk Ring about them until I'm blue in the face. Every. I did not go through that torture and not get to watch better shows just for the sake of one episode no oh. no i we refuse talk, i, I no. talked to her about that about doing because we're going to obviously we're going to be doing you're coming on to do bed wed behead with us hey, haven't, haven't picked the characters yet we are like oh. carla and i are like let's do this and we'll see kind of where we're going to be with what three characters to pick um but we did not do carla and i told that to carla and i was like because my sister wants to come on and do it too because she oh. really likes she loves gilmore girls also um, and I mentioned, I was like, well, we can do more than one. And Carla was like, I did not endure <laughs> this nonsense. And especially because we're doing, we're doing it for the show. When we do stuff for the show, she doesn't message me as much about stuff when we're doing it for the show, because a part of our premise is that we have to guess what the other one is going to think. Mm-hmm. 
so I just feel like Carla for this past like two weeks has just been like boiling over with the opinion for the opportunity (laughs) to just go in depth (laughs) into each individual character and my thoughts on them because I am very ready I am very prepared bring it yes I've been excited about this like all week all week and we've resumed resumed I told that joke to my husband earlier and he didn't laugh oh you need to you need to take those jokes to me i'm here for the i know i know that you will get them and you'll enjoy them i love a good i call them mom jokes they're like dad jokes but without (laughs) the pockets so they're (laughs) i appreciate you waiting till both of us took a sip of our drinks (laughs) to make that you're welcome because carla's literally dying So she doesn't gonna... have her pitcher of water yet. I did see it earlier. I was, and I like made a mental note of like, oh yes, I am digging that. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Why does it remind me of like Pizza Hut in the 90s? Oh, where's your white one? <laughs> it should. My white one is in the kitchen. The, the white one is huge. It's like twice the size of this. That's what I love watching her drink. I know, just like drink like... out of this massive thing and it just like never ends everybody laughs at me for it i don't care i'm hydrated what about you huh my my husband is this like he loves his gigantic bottles like he will literally carry around a gallon jug of water especially in the summertime mm-hmm. and we even have one of those kind of like sun team maker things and he'll just fill it with water keep it in the fridge pull it out and then just like nozzle water straight down his gullet and he'll drink like a good chunk of it it's it's amazing how much water a person can drink in a single sitting yes (laughs) like watching him chug water makes me have to pee like that's how sensitive my bladder is and that's how much water he drinks yes (laughs) but enough about my man let's go on to Lorelai's men her fantastic her wonderful men well we didn't we talked about Max obviously Jen you and I ourselves when we were doing season one and season two Carla, Carla never got to talk about Max. Literally, oh, I'm the happy one, to talk about him now. The one good man. Yes. No, I man. love Luke. I'm sorry. He has problems. No, okay. I don't care. We will get to Luke. We will get to Luke. <laughs> we so will start, get to him. So let's start with Max. Should we start with like a happier? <laughs> you truly yes, want to end with a happy one? Yeah. <laughs> no, we'll because start with Max and with Luke. Well, okay. We and we'll stick with Christopher, Christopher right in that shit angry. sandwich. And Jason Styles. <laughs> oh, we don't Digger. Have to talk about him. Yeah, we have to talk about Digger. He's nothing. He's nobody. He's, hey. He is boring. They were nobody on a break. remembers him. <laughs> he, he has a great guest hell. bedroom. He is like. His poor dog. No, actually, I was going to say that, that, that he's the, the grown up <laughs> version of oh Zach. But no, Christopher's the grown up version of Zach. His poor dog. Yes. His poor dog, Cyrus. A little to the left. That although <laughs> that was probably my favorite digger scene of the entire series. That was my favorite scene with Jason Styles was telling Cyrus a little to the left. If I could get my dog to do that trick, just that. <laughs> absolutely I would do it. But anyways, Max Medina. Max. I love Max. Oh, Max. He was she like, did him honestly, dirty. she really did. And, you know, I absolutely get finding the perfect person and not falling in love with them. 
because mm -hmm. you know you can't dictate who you fall in love with that's not a thing but that's one thing it's another thing to take him all the way to the altar and be like mm, change my mind mm -hmm. don't want to do it and not only that okay actually never mind i'm just gonna go to this whole thing about lorelei but it's not about lorelei it's about max max is such a wonderful supportive guy and not only that but he's great with rory and not just because you know he's a professor he's her professor but he just genuinely cares about rory mm -hmm. and the scene after you know um lorelei leaves max and uh rory comes back to school and she has to interview him for the paper Mm -hmm. and she pauses the recording to say i really wanted you to be my stepdad and he says to her i really wanted to be your stepdad i just got goosebumps thinking yeah, that's too. like that's that's the, the most, most beautiful, beautiful heartbreaking thing. yes yeah and, and that that's honestly like to me one of the best um reminders that rory had like a really solid dad figure in her life because yeah, Luke had all of these, you know, parental tendencies towards her. But as for who she wanted and who she could see herself really being like, you're my dad, it was absolutely Max. Mm -hmm. And so it didn't just break my heart for him or for Lorelai when they split up. It broke my heart for Rory because mm -hmm. she was so invested and so ready to welcome him into the family well, and it's like and she took a little while to to work her way through it and accept yeah. it and Lorelai did very little to help her get to that point of acceptance and then when Lorelai ended things she did not she wasn't willing to even talk about it with Rory mm -hmm. and it's just like I'm sorry this is not just your life it's not even just yours and Max's life right. you have a child that you worked and, and that finally got to the point where she was happy and excited to have this change and then you which you, it's your right to not marry someone that you don't want to marry but you owe it to her to have that conversation exactly. instead of just running away and then shutting down any questions she might have and I don't even think Rory was asking out of her own needs she was trying to get her mom to talk about it for her mom's sake mm -hmm. which shows kind of the the weird dynamic that the two of them have where a lot of times Rory is the parent and Lorelai is the child yeah um, but the, it, it just that whole um the whole season really but that particular set of interactions really highlighted for me how messed up everything was that Rory had to put her, her needs aside mm -hmm. to cater to her mother's which you know if it were the kind of thing where you know because every parent struggles at some point and every parent has a point at which they are maybe not the parent that they need to be for their child but this was Lorelai on a constant basis to the point where Rory was just like okay well I'm gonna have to fill these shoes at this point and just talk her through it and talk her down and happens so often mm -hmm. in the well, show. And it's something that's yes. even kind of joked about in the show when Lorelai's yes. talking to Max Medina um, and when they first kind of meet, meet and she's like, well, that's okay. Lori's really, Lori's really low maintenance. She's pretty much done. She practically raises herself. I'm like, well, mm -hmm. okay, but she's getting in the point, she's getting into an age where more than any time she's going to need her mom not to keep her alive necessarily, yeah. not to teach her the basic things, but to be 
the support and to create a home where she feels safe. And that's that the next start, like, that next step of growing up. It's like, mm-hmm. yes, she does this. She's done scariest. baking. She's done cooking. She doesn't right. need to learn how to walk or read or any of those things, but that doesn't mean she still doesn't need a parent, someone to help guide her through those pre those teenage adolescent angsty all of that i would argue that that's when she would meet her parent the most the most that's the scariest time of growing up is when you're in that in between because you're not a little kid anymore you're not an adult you're going through puberty and all of that all that that entails right and that's one of the things where where you know when we talk about rory and the way that she ended up later on in the in the series why even though i don't like her i can't necessarily put all the blame on her Mm -hmm. because at the point in her life where she needed her mother to be her mother and her mother couldn't be that so she goes to her next best option next best option which is her grandmother so there's no surprise really that she ends up absorbing a lot of these emily traits because this is the one adult who is consistently an adult Mm-hmm. in her yeah. life but okay so max so max so max, max. so max he, hashtag so max deserves better he yes. does he does and you know what he um there were so many points at which you know how, how it is when um when a character or even sometimes in real life a person will just love somebody and overlook a lot of their their flaws because they're so enamored mm-hmm. and it makes for great romantic writing but it also it, it's a it's a big detriment to the person's own well-being because if it weren't because max was so agog over um lorelei i think he could have seen things coming a little bit better because lorelei wasn't ready to be married she was never she in it as much she was never in it as much but that's that's a consistent thing with Lorelai that she's never in it as much as anybody else because she always has options mm-hmm. in this yeah. show inexplicably both Rory and Lorelai are just like these magnets for men's attention where you would you know it's like they're the most beautiful interesting creatures on the planet because everywhere they go they have men fall all over them mm-hmm. eh, questionable but <laughs> I'm really grateful for Max that he didn't marry Lorelai because then he gets yes. to follow his dream and move his career forward and i'm sure he met a wonderful adjunct professor yeah (laughs) at Mm -hmm. was it stanford or princeton stanford i think it's stanford and they got married and have a bunch of and and she respected him and saw his worth saw his worth i'm sorry he was a a a mid-30s single handsome man who made good money was straight and a good man that's like that's a unicorn Mm-hmm. <laughs> not that i know because i'm married and i don't look for dates <laughs> but i do have single friends who are like if they would see someone like this like a good funny kind caring man with yeah. a good job who is wanting to commit and be a part of not only wanting to commit and be a part of something him Lorelai being the parent of a teenager was never a thing where he was like, oh, I don't know, like, right. can I really get involved with somebody who has a teenage child? And he really wanted yeah, to was- actively but talk to her about what is my role 
Mm-hmm. yeah in rory's life like he didn't want to overstep those boundaries and he and he wanted to talk to lorelei about that right and that's when she was like she's done like right. she's not she's not done she's not, she's yeah. not. and max recognizes that but she doesn't which tells you a lot about her parental acumen when a guy who has never had children can be mm-hmm. like your daughter needs more well, than just you being like cool kid I think a big part of that for Lorelai, at least, is because Lorelai was pregnant and had a baby at 16. Rory was 16. So in Lorelai's mind, that was adulthood. Right. Okay. Sure. Yeah, sure. Which Lorelai never actually really reached. Um, But so, so Max is kind of like the high. Now we get to talk about the low. The lowest of the low. Christopher. Uh, I hate him so much. So at one point I was a, uh, just from that idyllic idea uh whatever of the biological parents getting together that whole fairy tale happy ending mm-hmm. but i didn't like how it happened in season yeah. seven I, I none of it none of it and it just kind of even more highlighted lorelei's inability to be an adult and handle these kind of situations because what it was like broke up with luke and then goes running right into christopher's arms her safety net yeah yeah that's that's how she uses men they she kind of just keeps them around for that just in case she needs them and then well and she told luke she told luke that she slept with christopher specifically because she knew that was the one thing that luke couldn't get past Mm -hmm. and how fucking gross Mm mm-hmm like, I'm sorry, that's gross to, as much as I hate Christopher, he deserved better than that. He deserved better yeah. than what she did to him, to be perfect. Yeah. No, he didn't. He sucks. Um, <laughs> he didn't He didn't deserve better. Um, but in general. Part of me that was just kind of like these two deep down, maybe when I didn't even realize it the first time around in those kind of younger rose-colored glasses of like, these two just kind of deserve each other like right like rory and logan like they don't (laughs) okay stop it because i'm ignoring that a year in their life happened (laughs) yes (laughs) no but but i get what you mean (laughs) because nobody else should have to to have to deal with with lorelei or with christopher or with rory or with logan but each other like that's Mm -hmm. it it should be contained to that little to that little they're their but, own quarantine bubble. Yeah, like thank you. quarantine was a thing. So as much as I hate Chris, quarantiners, and as much as Chris should have absolutely known what he was getting into when they decided to run off to Paris and get married, and he admitted that he did know what he was getting into. He had just kind of hoped that it would be like other times, and he could kind of they could fall back into their pattern. Um, it's very like it made me so mad that she was like yeah let's just run off and get married out of her like desperation and rebound and what like it didn't make sense to me and you can tell that this is when amy and dan amy and dan sherman palladino left the show for season seven that's why it's like the season that we don't talk about because it was it didn't make sense it was really out of character for lorelei to be that callous and she was callous and gross in a lot of ways but so deeply so Mm, to everybody she runs off and gets married to christopher three seconds after breaking up with luke she doesn't tell rory like her supposed best friend her daughter their daughter who you would think would want to be there to see her parents get together Mm. she 
makes Christopher move into this small town where everybody adores her ex-fiance. Nobody right. likes Christopher. And just, and just is like, well, here we go. Let's make it work. And then let's bring this little like five-year-old child into the mix yes. as well. Like, it's just, it's it mind selfish. bogglingly yes. gross. Yeah, selfish. <laughs> and, you know, with, with Christopher, there was a lot of the bottom because he and Lorelai are both painted as like the rebels in their respective families. And they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're not as shallow and as horrible as their parents, but yet they are in yes. every conceivable mm-hmm. way. And that's really illustrated when Christopher comes into money because suddenly he starts throwing money at everything. Got a problem? Here's a couple thousand dollars. I'll fix it. You know, he, he doesn't really talk to Lorelai. He tries to buy her way out of discomfort. You know, they're sitting mm-hmm. there having the, the knitting um the knit-a-thon or whatever it was mm-hmm. called oh and you know they're complaining about the cold and he doesn't go to her and say like just how miserable are you would it help if i if i you know donated the rest of the money that's needed because she would have been like no man this is part of the fun instead he just goes and throws the money at it and everybody just packs up and leaves and everybody's dissatisfied yeah that's well and that's on both of them because she should have been like yeah. hey just so you know we do all these we do these you stupid town, town events yep. yeah yeah, and they and they love it as much as they complain about them. They yeah, love it. They, they love go it. all it's out. Like the town meetings, like everybody has the town meetings, and yet everybody goes because it's a perverse kind of enjoyment to watch Taylor flounder and you know, yes, whatever. But <laughs> but absolutely, the the wedding, the wedding, the elopement in in Paris was ridiculous. And I, I will say this though, like she really was trying to make it work. Mm-hmm in her own very very selfish way but she was trying to make it work and the fact that christopher's reason for ending everything is oh my god you wrote a letter that says nice things about your ex-boyfriend so that he can get custody of his child that's a deal breaker like honestly dude that's a deal breaker it's Mm -hmm. not the fact that she doesn't love you it's not the fact that (laughs) she brought you into this town that you're tolerating because you want to keep around at all costs it's not the fact that, you know, like you're kind of tied to her because you have a child together and there's really nothing else binding you but privilege you and wealth. Unironically use the term mandate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been it for me. And I'm like, you know what? And it's not worth it. The end. Right. But all of these things were, he's the one making all of these changes and sacrifices. And she's really not doing anything. And he moves into the house. Not only is it her house, but it's the house that Luke fixed up for her and him to live together. Yeah. That was None so of these up. things were red flags, but she writes a nice letter about a man who's trying to have a relationship with his child. And that's where it's too much. And I that- think maybe all those things, though, were slowly building up within Christopher, even if we maybe didn't see it because they didn't do a good job showing because it. the and writing then, is awful <laughs> yes and then that actually was supposed to be like the the straw that broke the back mm-hmm. you know what if, if that's the case and it very well maybe and that's a good point then that's just bad writing and it's bad acting as well because at no point was that communicated yes it really it really when you look at because as much as there's like issues in seasons one through six there's a lot of endearing things about them and you can tell that they found out kind of midway through season seven, hey, you guys are done <laughs> after this. And they were like, all right, we got to wrap it up. Lorelai has to end up with Luke. We have to make sure that that gets taken care of. 
um like in the first season i or maybe in the first two seasons i was like okay chris is first kind of like an immature man child and if you have a kid you should really be involved in their raising um so when it comes about making changes and sacrifices in season seven for christopher i don't feel that bad because lorelei made plenty of changes and sacrifices and let him go off and pursue his shit that's true. Well, yeah. she raised their yeah. child and basically was very made sure that Rory did not have a bad image of her dad. Right. Yeah. But you know what? There's something, uh, there's a difference between raising your child to have not the worst image of, your, of their father and then being completely unre- unrealistic about who your father is. It's like mm-hmm. your father is not in a picture because he's irresponsible and immature. You know, he doesn't come around magically. He still loves you, good but he sucks. He still loves you, but he yeah. sucks. And he's not somebody that you necessarily need to rely on. But it was very interesting to me that the first chance he gets to just dump Gigi, he he takes mm-hmm. it and runs with it. Like, he just, oh, cool. So Sherry has it together now. She lives in Paris, and she wants to spend time with our with our child, Fab pack her up let's dump her off and then we can move on with our lives mm-hmm. how, how awful is that you know and, and, and I, well and the whole point was too with him going back to sherry and being with sherry in the first right. place to be in that relationship with sherry was mm-hmm. to kind of get that do-over with his with a child of his right and and now it's like yeah it's too much or whatever the hell it was and it just goes full christopher and just yeah it's like <laughs> so what was the point then of right yeah i just yeah, no because you know and and it was almost kind of funny because he drops Gigi off in paris basically done with her and then rory's already a grown-up so he doesn't have to really do much parenting there and then he still has the nerve to get the sads when all the other, the other dads on parents day are like, oh, yes, I've, you know, my child and I have worked so hard together as a team, you know, like when daddies actually love their children and, oh, uh, can you relate? Oh, no, no, sir, I can't because I was a coward and also a man child and I've never actually raised a child of my own. Oh, that's interesting. Mm, <laughs> we don't like you anymore. Here's what I, here's what I love about us, Carla. I'm just going to throw this out here for one second. I feel like our new tagline when we want to go on other podcasts, like, do you have laryngitis? <laughs> do you need to get a podcast episode out? But can't do you need talk? a break? Do you need a break? <laughs> Would you like somebody to take over your podcast and just, just do the whole thing for you? That's, that's We're the ones to call. That's the, Hence the intro, the chatty yeah. guests. <laughs> we, we are a pair of boobs. This. We are a pair of boobs that are smushed together and there's no room. Yes. There's no room for anybody else. We're so sorry. I know that we, we came here to guess on your show, not take it over. And yet here we are. I mean, when it's I, just me, I do it too. So I, I am loving it because I think that at least for me, I've I've never met anyone that hasn't watched Gilmore Girls and then watched it. <laughs> right. So I love this perspective and I have zero problem with y'all taking over the podcast and everything because I am finding this just to be utterly delightful. It tickles me because I'm just like, your thoughts on everything are my thoughts now watching it even after all these years of being a fan and kind of growing Mm -hmm. up with it and that perspective of mine changing from seeing things from 
the younger point of view to be <laughs> to be in the old crabby bitch and him like yeah ungrateful little shits well, <laughs> i'm i'm watching it with my 12 year old right now and i'm just like oh god why did i say let's watch the show together why i was i was watching it the other my day my eyes the, twitching thinking about and, it and the kids were around and they're like oh this you know cold open starts they're like oh this doesn't doesn't seem so bad and then I start singing along with the theme song. Oh, the and, awful theme song. And anytime I sing anything, the kids are just like, nope, it's suddenly the worst. Like as much as they love <laughs> Moana, if they have to hear me sing how far I will go one more goddamn time. <laughs> We're not going to be allowed to watch Moana anymore. So I've moved on to your welcome. But <laughs> oh, my my nephew, I can't even remember where it was. It said something because um, I'll make a man out of you is, I'm sorry, the best oh. Disney song ever written ever um my nephew is so tired of my nephew is so tired of that song because of me that he like <laughs> sighs and rolls his eyes and he's like oh, uncle megan's gonna talk about, he's gonna sing i'll make him it's like well, let's play mulan because uncle megan loves it so much <laughs> he's just like that's my nephew that's not, my kids i feel like have just decided that they don't hear that anymore right i love that it's uncle meg too <laughs> it is well it's it's really funny because when he was little he called all of his other aunts auntie their names for some reason he could not say auntie meg which i mean it doesn't sound right when i when i hear it because i've he said uncle megan and uncle meg i'm like you know what that that works i just decided to roll with it i'm not gonna be like yeah you have to conform yeah i don't give a no, shit i love it but now that's it. all that's all and uh, no one calls me aunt megan i have <laughs> i have i think like 12 nieces and nephews and eight great nieces and great nephews um none of them call me aunt megan they either call me just megan or meg or uncle meg tangent my vodka i don't like, how many how many brace bridge dinner I always lose track after three drinks. So I don't know where I'm oh, at. Oh, you've had like um, six. Okay. It's amazing. Anyways. Hey, look at, look at, look at me. Look at you. Look and at your, me. Look at all. <laughs> look at your. <laughs> there are cans coming out of her head. <laughs> anyway. Oh, that's just impressive. So, so yeah. So Christopher is garbage. Yes, absolutely. And always a man Max child. Yes. Max is not. Okay, we'll just quickly say about Jason Styles. Not worth the time <laughs> that we spent on him. Moving on. We can um, talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now and, then we, now we, and then there wasn't Digger. We had right. to talk about the man who shaped apparently my taste in men for <laughs> the rest of my life. Do they Richard? wear flannel? An Check. angry man who wears flannel who has issues with communication. Like suddenly <laughs> I saw I saw Luke Deans and I was just like, that's it. I did not marry that man. Baseball cap. I did not marry that man at all. I kind of did. But <laughs> that was like like a, a kind of grumpy dude wearing plaid who doesn't share his feelings. Yes, please give me all the fantasies. Right. And then we and then Dean Winchester showed up. And I was like, oh fuck. <laughs> that just cemented everything. You have you. a type. No. That was, that Apparently, so, I'm into lumber lumber sexuals or lumberjack sexuals. <laughs> lumber sexuals. I love it. But I, I, I'll start off with like the good things about Luke before I go and like just say what, what I really think. There's more good than bad. 
there is more good than bad in general but the thing is you can say more good things about him than you can say bad things about him but the bad things are pretty bad Mm-mm. i refuse no? yeah no. i know you refuse <laughs> Which is why we also ended up with the decision that we did on on the Team Free Will episode. I don't want to hear but anything about that. Of course I'm, you don't. I'm not over that at all. And of I never will not. be. I never will. I be. know. I know. You'll be fine. Um, the thing with Luke, he is a genuinely caring human being. He has like a huge, expansive heart. He is loving and accepting, and he will, you know, drop everything to repair your window. But then the, the the problematic thing is that then he'll berate you about everything, everything ever, including about how mm. the window came to be broken and why you've taken so long to fix it. He will hold everything um, as a grudge. But he will listen to you sing shitty karaoke and get very emo about it. That's all and good I, and well. I feel no, like at least with that's it. That's all I needed. He, he's, <laughs> he's like he's her he keeps her grounded so by him berating her about how long it's taken to fix a window like one that's kind of him calling out her bullshit obviously she doesn't take it seriously because she's always banters and comes they complement each other and i feel like they really have an understanding yes between the two of them luke and and the rest of the town oh yeah and i feel like that you know i kind of a few seconds ago jokingly said like i married a luke but i did i married a luke I am out of all the couples in the show. I think we are most like Luke and Lorelai. Of course, that makes it's me okay. Lorelai. It's but okay. I'm, it's okay. But I'm kind of like flighty, like Lorelai is, and just like kind of goofy and weird and dorky like that. I would like to think I'm not so self-centered, even though I know I can be, but not to that scale. But Tim's role in our relationship and our family dynamic is keeping my ass grounded. So I don't (laughs) just go flying off the handle on different things or, you know, he'll let me, I'm a balloon on a string Mm -hmm. and he lets me float only so high because he knows if I go any higher that that pop and that crash is going to be something he has to deal with and he doesn't want to because he knows it's going to be ugly. Well, and I I I feel like there's a lot of that. I think what's interesting about Luke is is taking him in the context of this very small town full of people who are over-involved in each other's lives. That's because I know he's he's a dick to some of his customers. Some of his customers kind of really deserve everyone. But they, okay, and they but, but they all know that about Luke. Like that's something that they all know. And Luke grew up in that town. They knew yeah. his uncle. But the difference is is that this his uncle, who was this giant ungrateful selfish piece of shit in every way. Luke was like, I don't want to become that. He's still going to be mm. grumpy. He's still going to be salty and surly. And I'm sorry, I have a really but soft a, spot for that man. That's the Dane's way. For that. Yeah, but I he's do. also the guy who's going to bring hot coffee out to Revolutionary War reenactors and take their orders and, and make sure that they stay warm. He's the guy who, when suddenly a teenager is dropped on his doorstep with a little to no explanation, is going to take that kid in mm-hmm. and do his best to guide him through life. He's the guy who's going to fall in love with a girl, with a woman. And even when they don't work out, even when he's furious with her and can't stand to look at her and is at the point where he's breaking stuff because he's so upset, is not going to take that shit out on her daughter. Mm-hmm. 
who loves right. him just as much. However, he will take it out on, on the town and he will take it out on the customers. And He'll take it out on Taylor Dosey, who deserves it. Which is fine. <laughs> who I'm puts not, a I'm, window in I'm the not wall? questioning his behavior towards Taylor Dosey because, again, Taylor Dosey should be dropped into a lake He's a with cement <laughs> around his ankles. And that didn't happen. I mm-hmm. don't know how. But the thing is, I don't think their lake is that is, deep. Well, Sorry. that's where the cement comes in. It's a tall enough. It's like it's a four and a half, five foot <laughs> tall yeah. deep lake. It's, it's Taylor up to his shoulders and he just can't so walk you out. Invert oh, him and you have the cement around his arms and you drop him I was, head first. You guys, I was just going to say, we could still this is not him. rocket science. <laughs> See, but Luke is the, a problem, but Carla's willing to do a murder to Taylor Dosey. Well, because he's yeah. a serial killer. He is he's a serial killer. I'm just trying to help the people at large. There are so many Luke. bodies in that gazebo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but, but he yeah. built the hay bale maze as a plot. A problem with anybody, not just heartbreak, mm-hmm. because he has a problem with anybody. He is. It's one thing to be surly and whatever with your customers. He is outright rude, and he will physically throw them out, and he will berate them and treat them really, really poorly, and you know, like the fact that people keep coming in is completely about the fact that the writers wanted people to come in and nothing to do with Luke's food or Luke himself. That is just completely um, a small I, I would 100% still go into Luke's diner and quietly eat and, and, and watch, to be honest, in some ways. In, in my rewatches, and, and actually absolutely seeing all of that and just thinking like, God, how many times is, you know, the diner full, but Luke is yelling at Kirk or mm-hmm. arguing with Lorelai to the point where it carries outside. So then he's standing just outside the diner door, hollering <laughs> shit at whoever just walked away from him. Right. I would find that to be so inner, like that's like dinner theater, diner theater to <laughs> yes. me. I love diner food. <laughs> I love the idea of getting breakfast any time of the day or a nice, good, thick, greasy diner burger kind (laughs) of up there with like a good bar burger. Like Mm -hmm. it can be a pre-made frozen patty, but as long as that girl hasn't been cleaned in a couple of weeks, it's going to be delicious. Well, and in my, in my head canon, I feel like Luke perpetually the off screen, Luke is dealing with so many Karens complaining that he just finally loses it should he treat his staff poorly absolutely not they are there to do a job they're making your job better lane and caesar are amazing and they deserve raises um but asian fella ever have a name kind of the older asian fella no but it's funny story when lane is finally like oh my dad showed up and waves at a festival that was i'm pretty sure it was the same character the the same the same actor Mr. Kim Kim mystery throughout the series is I I can't even wrap my head around it anymore. Another thing that bothers me about the whole Lane thing where again she's written off into the margins. (laughs) Yeah they didn't even bother to give her her an actual physical dad except to say oh there he is and wave but we're talking about Luke. But we're talking about Luke. (laughs) Sorry but, but like I said there are so many good things about him and I do genuinely think he is he's a lovely human being on the whole but i'll tell you what like we talk about a a lot a lot we talk a lot about how people treat um service staff or people Mm -hmm. that they that they employ but why would that be any different than the way luke treats his customers or the way that he treats his employees it's not 
It's absolutely not. He treats people abusively. He treats them condescendingly. Um, and they're there because, for one thing, they like his food and because they care about him. And he constantly returns that in the worst way possible. Like, the only time that you get um, a kind Luke when you're not directly shagging him is as an, as, as an aftershock of him getting shagged. I think that's a I, okay. I just I think that's a a little harsh. Now, no, quick quick question for both of you: If we lived in the world of Stars Hollow and we see this kind of abusive type behavior from Luke towards his customers, standing outside hollering or berating Kirk or talking shit to Kirk or whatever, frankly, but it's but Kirk, his no. <laughs> food is amazing. But if his not only is his food is amazing, but let's say in the world of stars hollow, you have benefited from his generosity. Do you think you could, as a townsperson, put some of those more toxic behaviors aside? Cause you know, deep down, like what we see maybe is just the surface of Luke. He's got that gruff exterior. He's trying to keep people away because I think he cares so deeply and not to excuse it, but just out of curiosity. No, absolutely not. Either I'm taking my business elsewhere or if it's a thing where like or Westons, Al's <laughs> pancake like, world or Westons, I don't care. I'll cook myself. I'm perfectly fine with cooking. Yes, but I I can tell you like, and I don't know if it's just my my thing with um, loud abrasive white men as a person of color. I would absolutely not feel comfortable going into that mm-hmm. diner. Fair, absolutely not. And you know like if. If anything at all, it would be delivery, not even takeout delivery, as long as it was somebody else delivering it. But absolutely, I would take my business. Oh, not just thank you so much. (laughs) See, for me, and I think a lot of it, like I said, fair, like I said, Luke has created like this thing in me. His persona. Oh, okay. Um, but I think, and I think some of it is we get so much of it and we don't get to see nearly as much of kind of the somewhat anonymous kindnesses that Luke does for the town. And we hear about, we hear about them a little bit, but I think he does a lot more than he's willing to like. He doesn't like the limelight. He doesn't he, want that. He, attention. he doesn't want that, but, fine. but, but for me, it's hard for me to, of all the characters in this show, the character that's the hardest for me to view objectively is Luke because he is like I just hear that song he's my type he's my type um I I like a grumpy man who's a a grouch and kind of rough edges he also is playing into the archetype of the quote-unquote sassy diner waitress except he's a man so it comes across as like an aggressive white dude which is was supposed to be a woman Luke was he was supposed to be yeah, yeah he was supposed to be a woman um, Scott Patterson was only supposed to be in there for like a couple of episodes, yes. but the chemistry between Luke and Lorelai was so what between Lauren Graham and Scott Patterson was so good that they decided to keep him on. So he was originally supposed to be a woman. It's like they took the sass or whatever that we would see as the normal trope for the diner waitress, and they just put it on Luke. And that's but not- it brought that white male aggression with it. And right, not just like sassy, yeah. like right. oh, I'm mouthy right. and I'm not cute like a two pack a day. Your shit. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a difference, at least in the way that that it's portrayed in mm-hmm. on TV and in movies, between a sassy waitress 
who is just sassy and an aggressive waitress yes. because there are instances of aggressive waitresses and I hate all of them I don't like seeing it I don't like seeing people verbally verbally or otherwise abused and I don't find that interesting or funny no matter who the actor is even if it's supposed to be a waitress I don't care when it's a tall big burly dude it's even less appealing and it's even less something See, that I and, think and in like my just mind in my mind I just melted a little bit because like i'm describing him and you're like oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a I tall think she a... slid down in her chair like, i know right like, <laughs> like, <laughs> a tall big burly dude who's kind of grouchy oh is she talking wears... about the brownie man <laughs> and, wears, and wears flannel like yes please mm, um yes but oh, what are I just special spoof? but in his his fun foil is tj who's amazing yes i oh, love tj Lord, so much yes I he's love, adorable and it's, it's, he is it's not just because i love the Louise brothers which i do they're fantastic and hilarious but i really um tj is such uh he's a nesco role he <laughs> he is, is he's joey jr that's why you love he him is. so much yes. he's that is true he's, he's joe jr from from while I, while you were sleeping yeah and it's, it's, but it's like it's he's perfect okay. i love yeah. him i wouldn't want anything to do with him i would want to hang out with him at the diner and nothing else in my life but he's gonna exactly... build shelves for you he's gonna build shelves for me he's gonna explain to competently he's gonna explain that the lap is an illusion which is something that i still <laughs> i still use that line to this day my kids use that line and they have never seen these episodes of gilmore girls with tj in them but the lap is an illusion is something that I talk about a lot because when you stand up there's no lap it's not it's not there's no lap I love him I love him I love how silly he is but also I love how devoted and loving he is I love because how he really is I love how he stands up to Luke yes for Liz and for himself like when yeah Luke finally is like oh hey yeah you're kind of a good guy like Luke gives him a seal of approval and he's like yeah you're kind of a dick <laughs> yes it's so true and he's not wrong he's not wrong and and like i said if there's any character i have a hard time viewing with with objectivity it's luke and i and i don't know why it's just he's like he's an angry like baby badger <laughs> who lashes out and he's also attractive and flannel and grumpy um but tj tj is probably one of the TJ and Max are like the best husband material. They love are. TJ. I love, and he's like, we're an escrow. Like, doesn't know what it means, but he we, is excited. We're an escrow. An uh, escrow. So I'm an escrow. And then he's, they're talking about something. I can't. I'm an escrow. Yeah. <laughs> so when we bought our house, we also escrowed, but that's all I could think of is I had anytime. <laughs> husband brought it up like oh no no we're good like he handled all that stuff yeah and he's like oh you know everything's all escrowed and all he could think was tj like we're escrowed yeah. i just wanted to go around and tell everyone we but we not like, fully understanding what it meant i'm like yeah right we we, have our, we do our homeowner's insurance in escrow yeah and and every time every time the new year comes on i was like i am an escrow but I was telling Carla while you were on your quick pee break that the reason she loves him so much Thanks. is that yeah, 
I'm going to do it because you need to talk about Joe Jr. And that's why Carly oh, loves Joe him Jr. so much is that he's Joe Jr. He's from while you were sleeping. Like, yes. Yes. It's like, you know, was he leaning, leaning? though? Was he leaning? <laughs> right? He's just Aww. endearing. And he's endearing. He's not particularly bright, but he's so sweet and cute. He and just, you're like, I, I kind of like you. I don't want to be anywhere near you for a prolonged period of time, particularly alone on, an, on a poorly lit place. But I enjoy seeing you. And he's, again, he stands up for Liz and himself. He does. He's the, no, he, he really is. He's a like solid the, one of the partner. purest yeah. characters. His intentions, he wears his heart, and it, like it's all out there. There's no deception. Mm-hmm. We know who TJ is straight yeah. away. As soon as we meet him, he's a little goofy, but he's like perfect for Liz. And it's almost like they're they complement each other and they each kind of almost take turns grounding like keeping each other grounded, mm-hmm. but also yeah. at the same time elevating each other. Mm-hmm. And we want you know, it's easy to laugh at TJ or TJ types, but let's be honest, especially I think as we get older, we all kind of want a TJ. We want someone Absolutely, always rooting yeah. for us and supporting we'll us. We'll go to bat for you exactly. no matter what. And be yeah. excited about things like being an escrow. <laughs> <laughs> He's so, I can't get over this. He's, He's so, so excited. excited. <laughs> He's the town. I'm an escrow. Yeah. It's adorable. Oh, I love him so much. With that accent, that East with Coast accent. accent. Yes. Oh. It's perfect. The, the whole package is just perfect like can you imagine if he and joe jr ran into each other and just had a conversation it would be amazing i would love to see that um i also love that he basically died at the renaissance fair (laughs) 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 and yells at luke about authenticity authenticity and not saying huzzah enough while he's watching baseball on his little tv yes and that's the other thing luke luke it's luke but he's there helping his sister and his brother-in-law with their renaissance fair despite how he feels about it because he cares so much and yeah he's gonna be a dick about he's gonna make jabs and comments and all of that but within that construct that's a a sibling rivalry or not a rivalry but you know that sibling dynamic where you're just always going to talk shit about whatever Mm -hmm. your sibling's doing even though you but if anybody else does right it's oh, like oh it's on then it's on then yeah. you come for it well and i think part of i think that's part of why i find luke himself so endearing is he is someone who no matter what he's gonna come through for you if he if you're mm-hmm. in his circle if he, if he cares about you and you're in his heart he will come through for you and there's no evidence better than when he is driving his rory's yale mattress back yes. and forth like back he lends <laughs> he lends Lorelai his truck she doesn't know how to drive stick and calls it a misogynistic truck which is like, <laughs> that's probably one of my favorite bits yes. in the whole series he's like it's, it's it's a stick and she's driving it in reverse around town um but yeah but I think that's part of what's so endearing for me is it's it it does play into the trope of here's this man who and and it's like him and Jess are similar in 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 a lot of ways but i think jess is so much more abrasive and toxic and we don't mm-hmm. really get to see jess caring about anyone but yeah, rory yeah right luke has his circle of people that he cares about even with even taylor who he doesn't like 
at all. If Taylor called and had something that he needed help with, Luke would be there. And I think that's kind of where it's like, he's like surface asshole. He's grump with a heart of gold. And, yes. and as Carla knows through the Mindy project also with Danny Castellano, like that's, that's kind of my type. He is the person yeah. where if I were in trouble of anyone in that town, I would call Luke. Like that's my car breaks For down. Sure. I would call Luke. Maybe I would call like Jesse, you know, like, but will... would also berate me while she fixed well, my car. Oh, and she, then would. Would she would list off all the things that she's getting. Like she did with then, Jackson yeah. and his truck, then which I would, love. Yeah. She's like, oh, I'm getting a trip here and I'm yeah. getting a new this. Yeah. <laughs> right. She would come and help me, but she would berate me and overcharge me. Luke would come help me, <laughs> but he would not charge me. He, he would wouldn't still charge berate you me. Dime. He'd be right, like, why right. didn't you change the oil? <laughs> so it would be seven months ago. either way, but one of them's free. So yeah. No, but like I said, you know, I do love Luke. There are just issues about him that I can't ignore. And I and I would agree with that. There there are. Um I'm willfully choosing to ignore them. Like yeah. I know that they're there. But at least you acknowledge that. I acknowledge that they're there. They're just not enough to make to, to for me personally because which is absolutely again the kind of thing where where you know if it's not something where the person is assaulting people or you know causing that christopher who deserved it well he he honestly (laughs) but no but but what i'm saying is like if it's it's one it's a difference between problematic Mm -hmm. and downright objectionable yeah and I think that Luke is, he's problematic, but he's not objectionable. So I, I'm not, the, you know, like, I, I, like I've said before, there are plenty of, of characters that I love who have problematic, problem, problematic elements to them, but I'm not going to suddenly stop loving them. Mm-hmm. As, I, I, I acknowledge who they are and I'm not going to go out there and just willy-nilly recommend that people watch this content but well yeah I, I know there are issues and i do think that's one other thing that the show this show does do well and could have done better with a lot of its characters is luke feels like a real person mm-hmm. yeah lorelei feels like a real person these people feel like real people and real people are all gonna have faults they're all gonna have shit i'm problematic in ways you know i <laughs> I yell at my best friend all the time about fictional TV characters. Um, but no, every- I'm perfect. Mm. By the way. I've, I've met you and that's 100% <laughs> true. But, and I think that's one of the things, I think that's what makes these characters, especially for Jen and I who've watched the show for so many years, makes them so endearing to us is because they feel real. They feel like people that we can kind of, put into our own lives like i see i i see glimpses of folks that i know maybe not full-blown tailors or anything but i see a little bit of Taylor <laughs> if you see a full-blown tailor or... you need to be watching Run. unsolved no, mysteries <laughs> watch unsolved <laughs> mysteries and Call see the FBI. yes leave Crime an anonymous stoppers. tip yes i know a tailor i know a tailor josie <laughs> y'all should get down here evansville <laughs> wisconsin no not indiana 
Wisconsin. Damn it. <laughs> Be like, I understand that he's not on any of your sheets or most wanted posters, but I, I just, just got a feeling. But that's what makes a good serial be. killer. Yes. I just got a feeling. And like I said, I really want that mockumentary of, <laughs> of Stars Hollow and Taylor Dosey, a serial killer, and just interview the townspeople. Oh, I love that. Super dramatic. Yeah, like yes. and like very like dun, dun. give me that give me that Netflix documentary that's just Super like that's sided and that's the next that's okay. Dear Netflix and and Warner Brothers, the next Gilmore Girls revival has to be a mockumentary limited series. Hey, listen of Taylor Dosey's a whole musical. It's yes, one um in the, in the one episode in that series they can do they can weave in a documentary about taylor about I taylor being a serial killer yes i don't see how they couldn't it. i'm gonna find the website that has that theory and like goes through it, Carla, it and me. i'm gonna please, send it to you because please. i need it it is amazing i love and, it and i was like yeah i could it, it changes the way you see the taylor scenes he absolutely so, eats people with <laughs> like when when Lorelai's like trying to rebuild the dragonfly and Taylor's mm-hmm. like putting up all these bullshit roadblocks because all he's looking for is a favor from Lorelai from Luke, to, yeah. to get you know the pull mm-hmm. all of this and it's like oh think of how if that had not worked out for Taylor what if mm-hmm. Luke had said no who was going to end up under the gazebo well, now and what kills how many me? stoplights does that town need like what kills me shit. what kills Point. me is that he didn't even bother asking luke about it he just decided, he to, just decided to torture lorelei he's a full-blown sadist which is hilarious because he has no problem coming up to to luke or just flat out, you know, steamrolling him at the town meetings. Literally putting a window in his wall in, his wall. in the dead of night. You know that mm-hmm. had to be done in the yeah. middle of the night. Oh yeah. But Luke when it comes gone. to when it, it comes to an ice cream truck, <laughs> suddenly he gets all shy. Yeah. <laughs> well, he saw how mad Luke got because wasn't that also the scene where Luke like shoved his hand in like a barrel of candy, which was uh- one of <laughs> I love like the Luke and Taylor scenes, but. But here's oh. the thing, what if, oh, sorry, go ahead. go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. No, I was just thinking, you know, I think maybe he wasn't even scared of going to Luke. He was just stalling for time so that he could get the bodies <gasps> out of oh. the dragonfly. Yes, yes. He, oh, oh, you can't yes. yeah. here. I have some digging to you do. You cannot excavate. You can't fix you can't fix the porch because I have bodies buried under there. Just Correct. put a plastic coating on it because I'm a serial killer and I need to see my trophies. Okay. You guys, yes. you guys, I, I see a new podcast forming now that is us doing true crime as if it's Taylor a, no, Dosey it's was a, a true crime, killer. false crime. We're just gonna do this. The new thing we're gonna, we're gonna do, do a it. false crime where we yes. accuse characters of crimes with absolutely no real evidence. Oh, there's so much. No. There's. <laughs> Wait, I call not editing. I call, I call social editing. media. You're good at social you're, media. You're editing, Carla. <laughs> I'm not editing. Yep. We'll have dark music, and we're just. In, but there, we're gonna make. We're gonna do this. I can see <laughs> small towns all through the country. A fake crime podcast. <gasps> I love I it. Ooh, into that could it. be a lot of fun. I'm into it. Ooh, girls, let's do it. It's going to take so yes. much. Uh, yeah, because we is. have so much time for more fun. <laughs> so, 
Speaking of so much time, we are I hear myself so much crying time. <laughs> thinking about editing two podcasts. I don't, for every episode I edit, I swear to God, I record three and I need to stop doing it. I, for some reason, like the other day I looked at my calendar and I was like, all month, all March, there's no recordings. And somewhere inside me, I was like, I need to do something about that. I have nine episodes. This will be the 10th episode to edit. Oh my God. <laughs> I love See, recording. I hate I, editing. <laughs> I, yeah. I have one episode to edit for Monday and I'm just like, I don't want to do it. Do it, Meg. It's an, uh, it's Meg, an hour it's just of just me and Carla. And I'm it's just, just like, the two of us this time. I don't want to do it. And we don't have, and apparently we, we started a whole other, we have a whole other podcast that we're yes. going to start. And I am fake silent. crimes, real towns. No, fake crimes, fake towns. Because Stars Hollow doesn't exist. Well, I was thinking we could take But the only way the only way this would work is if we'd have to take it very seriously. Yes, of course. We would have to be very serious about this and make it a 100 percent true mockumentary style thing. And I don't think any of us can do that. Um, I don't think you have no idea about my about my acting talents. I, I am a very good, person. I'm a very good actor and I don't think I would be able to do it. Like I, said, I can as long do as it. I don't have to edit. Talent. Talking about Taylor, <laughs> Taylor Dosey in his Taylor body. Taylor Dosey of Stars Hollow. Here's his picture. Dun, dun. Go to our website and you can see his crime. His have you seen file. this man? Send tips. First 48 Stars Hollow. Please send us tips. That would be the best part is if people listen. What if it was like a tips. five minute podcast? Shut up. Okay. Like, we can't do, can we do like that. Can we do hey. that. That's yeah. adorable. I it's, love that. I you would love that. It took five minutes for Jen to be like, Hey, I have guests. <laughs> true, and then true. it took it like 45 minutes for Jen to be able to say another word. <laughs> listen. My listeners hear me talk enough. It's fine. Plus, this is a nice plug for your guys' podcast. And speaking of plugs, so yeah, take us out. (laughs) So I'm going to ask my boobs. I've got three for you. Bedwetter behead, tricks, Professor Asher, and Rune. Oh my god. Okay, okay, okay. Hang on. I know. I I am gonna behead Rune. Because he's awful and terrible. Um, I will bet Asher, because apparently he still has some stuff going on. I'm going to marry Trix because she's going to die and she's going to leave me all her fucking money. <laughs> and that's, I am. That's going my snapshot. To, I'm going to behead Trix because she's awful. She's awful, but she dies anyway really, really quick. That's fine. Still don't want anything to do with her. <laughs> I'm going to bed Rune to get him out of the way, even though I'm too tall for him. If Lorelai's too tall for him, I am definitely way too tall for him. And I am going to wed Asher because he also dies quick. He does, but he does not have Gilmore money. I don't care. He leaves you this massive printing press. (laughs) (laughs) And And that's that's, that's all Carla needs. No, Carla's going to start her own newsletter. I am going to start my own newsletter. And she's going to talk about, she's going to talk about the suspected serial killer in Stars Hollow. Oh my God. You'll be the whistle down of of Stars Hollow. (gasps) See, now I'm even more sold on this concept. Yes. (laughs) That's my final answer. I love it. (laughs) 
Well, I think I'd have to agree with Meg on tricks. I would have to wed tricks so I could get that good Gilmore money and maybe we live could in buy Porn's house. so many printing presses with <laughs> that money. <laughs> Behead Rune because he's just awful. And yeah, maybe marry Professor Asher and then he dies and fine. I don't want anything from him. <laughs> Aren't his children like terrible or something? Either yeah, way, I want his... tricks. I want that Gilmore money. <laughs> yeah. We're going to marry Trix to get that money and let her rot in hell where she belongs. <laughs> then we'll buy several printing presses. But why do you, you, I think you only need one, you guys. You don't need a printing really press and you don't need one in every room. Okay, fair. What do you think? But if you, oh, had okay, Gilmore, so- if you had Gilmore money, you got that Gilmore you money. One in every room. We could have our own house with printing presses. Yes. And that's just where the we printing do printing press. press. We, it would call it would be called the Gilmore Printing Press House, and you could charge for tours. We, we could mm. print we could print rival newsletters in the same house. I yes. love it. And then people will really pay us people. so we can mm-hmm. keep our empire. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Done. I'm in. I like where I'm this in. is going. So well, listeners, as we conceive our next major life changing whatever because my vodka is kicking in and i'm running out of good words um thanks for listening thank you meg and carla um from bedwet and behead for being here today and hey. allowing me to speak a little bit <laughs> <laughs> like i said jen if you're ever like ooh, people like this show i've never seen it or i can't speak right now i'm really tired but i have to record something just call carla and i and you will not have will to do anything done and done <laughs> i will send a message and a show and a link and that's it got it covered i mean it. it'd be nice if you if you came to the zoom call but <laughs> like, you can sit in your we'll pajamas see. in the background and just drink it's, it's okay yeah. it's like uh-huh i'll nope. just sit there with surly judgy looks if you wear plaid <laughs> if you wear mm-hmm, plaid oh, and a no no too sexy hat? too sexy you you're gonna turn meg on and she might be able to focus no yeah. no she might focus. i did get a new a whole bunch of new flannels <laughs> no don't tell meg that she's gonna come to your house gonna come, i know where you and live and demand to see them that's true i do i know where you live i can model them on the next one <laughs> I can borrow anyway. your clothes and then Marty will never return. Never return them. Them. trying to sign off, Meg. <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> listeners, thanks for listening. If you get a chance, please check out Bedwetter Behead. These two wonderful women that we've listened to for I don't know how long now are hilarious. Our podcast is much shorter. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> oh, they're they're bite size compared to mine. Mine is like a full course meal, like with several entrees. I don't know how you it's have aperitifs. Courses. You have aperitifs. Oh, yeah. You have okay. Stop, Meg. Stop, Meg. No. Meg. 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 Carla's like, so- I need to eat dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm right there with you, Carla. I smell the food. It smells delicious. I know it's for dinner, and I want to eat it. So thanks for listening, everyone. And check out Bed, Wet, and Behead, and keep streaming. Bye.